I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So you pretty much flow with the goal. We're not here just to take part. We're here to take over. If you want to fight, let's fight right now. I guarantee you, man. You wake up on the ditch. Let's do it. UFC 189. Is it 189, 188? Okay. 188. Velasquez versus Vadum. Velasquez versus Vadum, 188. That's up to. Um, big card, heavyweight title on the line. Uh, we're going to do a wrap-up, uh, take you through all the fights, starting from the very early prelims, and we'll tell you about it. Straight off the bat, we had Gabriel Mogli. Benitez versus this is probably the worst nickname in the history of nicknames for a start if you're going to call yourself Cassius Clay yeah uh, being a white boy with red hair yeah probably um, not awesome probably especially when you're damn pale white well I mean it probably epitomizes the reason why Muhammad changed his name anyway because it looks like a pretty white guy name this motherfucker yeah Cassius Clay Collard Um, look you could call him statue um you could call him oh fuck what am i doing you could call him unemployed i reckon after this fight yeah uh it it wasn't close um a big criticism of benitez i think is he, he didn't finish it uh went to the judges yeah. but then again by the second round he knew he had it so benitez sort of put his cue in the rack and just did enough that's yeah i think he just didn't want to take any risks because uh, i think clay was a little bit bigger a little more powerful and it looked like he had a boxing background so i think he just wanted to Maybe even try and submit him or just make sure he didn't get knocked out with a lucky punch. Yeah, kind of. His boxing background did show too. His footwork was fine, except he kept leaving his lower body open. The amount of low kicks and kicks to the ribs that he received, uh, he'll be pissing blood for weeks. Oh, bloody oath, and you can see it hurt. I mean, and the worst thing for him probably is he had to endure another round and a half of that brutality, so not too good for the old mate. But, yeah, um, I it- can't see Dana keeping on. Um no. And even though Benitez won, he he really should have been able to put it away. He had a, a deep guillotine in the first round. Yeah. Uh, couldn't finish that. And then he didn't really seem to try to finish. He had him in trouble a few times, but never really chased the knockout. Yeah, he definitely had like the best of the exchanges and had the best opportunity to finish the fight. Uh, yeah, it looked a little bit sloppy, to be honest. I mean, yeah. He had that guillotine in the first, first round. And it looked like he jumped guard after he got it. And it's just never going to work when you're that slippery. You don't have a gear or anything on. It's very hard to finish. And I think you can understand the guillotine with the vice grip that most people have been doing lately. Um, I think the first time, well, the first one that really got prominence for it was when uh, Jones struck out Machida. With it. Yeah, the um, Cody... Oh, what's his damn name? From The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, I can't remember. Look, he's a Canadian fucking lobster fisherman or some bullshit. Oh, Cody Bollinger? No, no. Oh, um, Cody McKenzie. McKenzie, that's it. Yeah. He sort of brought that uh, version of the guillotine into the UFC. Oh, um, there you go. And then John Jones used it, and everyone's like, hey, this guy looks like a genius. The problem being is that it's quite easy to break the grip with that yeah, one. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you can't do it if they're trying to stand up or anything. But, yeah. you know, anything uh, would have helped then to try and finish that one. Um, in Clay Collard's defense, he was 
he was, should never have been in that match. No. Um, boxers generally haven't had a great MMA uh, history. Um, no. Well, you've got Jake Schilling coming through as kickboxer. He's done some boxing with the... I think, who's there under there? Is it Showtime or is it Viacom? Whichever, or same shit. Whichever Bellator is... Was it Bellator? Yeah, Bellator's fighting now. Cause no, uh, I think they're Viacom, but I could easily be wrong. Yeah, Jake Schilling does glory fights there and he's just doing the boxing fights and he's got some Bellator fights coming up too mm. so he's really the only one that's sort of taking it on full time but I remember the first guy out of I think it was even UFC 1 uh, Art Jamison oh, Jamison yeah, yeah. yeah went in there with one glove and well, should have gone in with a white flag really he got his ass whooped but in yeah. this one um, Clay I'm not calling him Cassius fuck that um, he sort of came in danced a bit threw a lazy jab and then got a kick for his response and then just that's kind of where his highlight went he yeah. had, his, had uh, Benitez's back a couple of times yeah and Benitez was attacking him when Clay had his back yeah. just by these uh, back elbows or punches across his own body yeah because Clay had no idea how to control someone from behind and yeah. right at the end he had his back um, had nice seatbelt grip and everything and just was content to sit there he didn't um, even get his right hook in he's had one hook in and was sitting underneath his other leg so there's no way he's going to do anything he's not going to get a secure choke there I mean if anything he's going to turn around and ground and pound against the fence yeah I mean he, he did throw a few punches but Jesus Christ you have to know you're not going to knock the bloke out yeah but the worst thing when he was throwing punches he was throwing punches with both hands so mm. all um, Benetton did was sit up and then try and stand and if you don't have your seatbelt over unders then you know you get, it's pretty easy to get out of it yeah I I think he's... Well, Clay's only 22. Um, I think he should spend four more years training, to be yeah. honest. Well, he came in looking like he knew how to fight, but it looked like he was just a touch above street fighting with those looping punches and even his, his leg kicks, there wasn't anything in him. It was almost like he was moving, bleeding backwards while throwing those kicks, so he didn't get that real downward pressure and just mm. like a baseball bat across the legs. Not the, the turning in the hips. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, too, the way he shaped up was very boxing, uh, quite yeah. square on. And his hands were very high. He kept yep. on, like boxers do, bumping his own forehead with his glove. Yeah. Which is awesome if you're looking at exposing your ribs and your legs, which exactly uh, right. they took yeah. a shit ton of punishment. Yep. So, look, Clay was outclassed, but Benitez wasn't that classy in victory either. Yeah. I mean, he had the home crowd advantage as well, which he used well. And then with Clay Collard, if you look at his, his record, I mean, in the last two or three years... Coming off, he had a failed a drug test in 2013, and that went to uh, what was that showdown fights where it was. Uh, next fight, he had a decision win, followed by a decision win, followed by a decision win. Then his first fight in the UFC uh, got got TKO'd by Max Holloway, won a decision against Alex White, and then lost that decision against Gabriel Benitez. So he's had a failed drug test, um, decision wins, and uh, been knocked out. So I don't think he's going to get another chance lately in the UFC. I think he'll go back to the minors. Yeah, I, I I don't see what he brings to the UFC to make it worthwhile, to be honest. No. Uh, unless he was the only bloke around with a passport, uh, I can't see why they even put him in this match. Yep. But, uh, yeah, well, you never know. Maybe he'll turn up something, but I don't think so. Yeah, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't really. Yeah, no. On to the next one. Yep. Next fight was in the welterweight division. We had Katal, the Punisher Pendred, versus Augusto Dodger Montano. Yeah. Uh, Katal Pendred being teammates with Conor McGregor. Uh, had a Which bit is of... about the most interesting part of this fight, to be honest. Yeah, yeah well, it is. Um, Katal, he's had a couple of good fights, so I expected more from this one, but wasn't Mon- to be. Montana just kind of ran away. Um, but that, that's about the best you can say in the fight. Towards the end, uh, the Punisher, which incidentally is one of the better nicknames going around, uh, better than Dodger. Yeah, when you put a fire that, though, yeah, <laughs> you want to back that really up. There was no punishment handed out, except maybe fines for 
not engaging. Well, we've got a threatened for not engaging enough. Uh, Herb Dean gave uh, Augusto a warning at the end of the first round for not engaging. So we're actually start of the second before the bell rang. Yeah, that's only Augusto's second loss. Um, you know, I just I don't know what he was thinking unless he was trying to play a counterpuncher role. Um, he's finished plenty of fights before. Um, yeah, he's only lost is against Sam Alvey, who's in the UFC at the moment, knocking motherfuckers out too. Uh, great guy. Uh, it was in a, a fighting organization called Chihuahua Extremo. I don't know if he was uh, on the undercard to a dog fight or what the fuck was going on there. But well, you look at his record, and uh, he's had no decision wins uh, or losses. It hasn't gone to decision at all. So this is the first time he's gone to decision, and except Sam Alvey. <laughs> Yeah. Decision, yeah. It, it's just, I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah. Um, it looked like that uh, for a welterweight division, these guys are both pretty tall. Uh, 6'1 for Montano. Um, Catal 6'1 as well. On the taller side of that division. And I think they're both not used to fighting people with as much range as them. So it must be pretty hard to um, go in there and more or less fight yourself. So I think, uh, like you said, I think both were kind of counter punches. Well, Katao is usually pushing a lot more forward, but maybe going against someone who was same size, same reach, kind of worried him out of it and threw a spare in the works. Because on paper, it should have like a decent fight. There should actually be some engagement, but this one looked like, yeah, two counter punches having a dance. Yeah. I mean, the only interesting thing I found in the fight was that uh, Katao has the same birthday as I do. But um, oh, no, wait, it's American dating, second yeah. of the ninth. No, they fucked that up. Well, that wasn't interesting at all then. No. Um, so, you know, it's just not really... It wasn't a great fight to watch. The crowd was bored. I was bored. Um, I just... I can't see why either of those fighters uh, would do that. Like, you would literally be better off going in there, getting knocked out in a spectacular fight than that grindy sort of runaway win. Because yeah. it's been, like... Dana White's shown plenty of times he'll sack people for doing shitty, grindy wins. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, Katal's on, you know, let's just count his win streak at the moment. Yeah, had a draw in there, but he's on 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 win streak. So I think maybe with that with that and going to the UFC, and I don't know if he's ranked yet or not, but um, it must put some pressure that you have to keep that win streak going and you'll do it at all costs. So I think the longer that streak goes, maybe the less and less you start taking risks. Um, but again, what the fuck do I know? Well, you know, they'll probably stick with Cathal for a little longer because they are really pushing to expand into Ireland. Yeah. Um, but he's not doing anything to promote himself to a main carter. Um, he, he'll probably get a gig in Ireland, but it's not going to be on the main card. It's going to be sort of, oh, here's your hometown boy. Yeah. Uh, you know, everyone supports him. Yay. Oh, it's grindy and boring. Yeah, I think if he's going to... Continuing that welterweight division, you have to be a lot more aggressive than that. Otherwise, it's almost better off um, putting on the muscle and the power and moving up to the middleweight division. Honestly, I think he'd be better off doing that. Uh, you look at him there, and he could definitely fit more muscle on his frame. Yeah, yeah. So he's a big lad. Yeah, yeah, and he's running at seventy-seven kilos. So yeah. bring it up to mid eighties, and he can take a punch as well. So he's got he's Irish. No worries about his chin. Yeah, all the Irish take a alcohol punch. and post post. It's not really performance here. It's actually, bullshit. I've tried to punch people drunk. It doesn't work too well, man. <laughs> it bounced back up. <laughs> but yeah, you know, he got the decision win and, you know... Yeah, it was just another fight in the card. Yeah. Interesting it. thing, but neither of them have been um, knocked out many times. I, 
Catalzani been knocked out once, and uh, out of the two losses for Montano, he's only been decisioned. Two decisions, yeah. One was against Catal and the other against Sam Alvey. I mean, and if you can go through a fight with Sam Alvey and not get knocked out, you're doing something right. Yeah, unfortunately, fighting doesn't seem to be one of them. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Um, um, I haven't seen that fight, but I imagine, judging by what he did today, if he runs away the whole damn time, then I don't think I'd bother. What? You didn't see Chihuahua Extremo? Are you serious? <laughs> Where were you on the 18th of September, two? On the 5th of November 2011. Yeah, yeah, doing something else besides that. And to be honest, if you, if you said, hey, have you downloaded the latest episode of Chihuahua Extremo? <laughs> I wouldn't expect MMA. I'd expect, you know, some kid's cartoon with a fucking supercharged Chihuahua dog. I'd expect you punching in the face after I watched it for the first time. <laughs> Maybe it is a cartoon. Maybe it was something set up like that. Who knows? Yeah, it could be too. Yeah. Anyway, on to our next fight. Bugs Bunny kick his ass. <laughs> Next fight off the rank is in the light heavyweight, uh, sorry, lightweight category. We've got Johnny Hollywood Case versus France, Francisco Sitkayan Trevino. Um, I don't know what Sitkayan means, but I think Johnny is missing having the moniker Mental as his nickname. Johnny Mental Case. I think it's changed to Johnny Cage. You know, at the end, just. Pull out sunglasses from your ass, Johnny Cage. Well, at the moment, he's, his nickname's Hollywood, which would fit completely in line with the Johnny Cage motif, wouldn't it? I guess so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, funny thing, watching this fight, when uh, Trevino was fighting, it looks like he's dropped a lot of weight quickly or something, because he's got excess skin, uh, to the point where it looks like he actually has breast tissue, and he was muffin-topping over his shorts. Well, he's definitely muffin-topping, and... It looks like he's got really fucked up nipples. I don't know what it is about him, but they're almost like, yeah, I don't know. Well, looks like he, yeah, he's taken, I don't know, estrogen or something like that. Maybe he has. He's Who really sure. knows? Um, I guess the weight gain around the hips will be part of that too. Either he's just been on too much testosterone, dropped it off, and the estrogen's pumped up in response. But, oh, that's all hearsay. Who knows? Well, but, whatever he's doing, he should stop it because it's not working. Yeah, and he looked really unaggressive. Um yeah. He kind of danced around and tried to bait um, Case into doing stuff, but Case took him down a bunch of times. Uh, there were a few sort of transition scrambles, uh, scrambles on the ground that could have gone either way, yeah. but it never really looked like uh, Trevino was going to finish. Um, well, I, I didn't like Trevino ever got any much sort of offense full stop. <laughs> so yeah. I don't think he really did fuck all the whole fight. I think Johnny K, Johnny Case just smashed him from, from pillar to post. And uh, it seemed like the more he got beat up, the more he thought he wasn't getting beat up and tried to egg him on. And yeah. it's like, dude, you got your back as a cage. He's wailing bombs on you. And you're trying to give him the come on movements. It's like, he can't come any more forward and beat you up. Yeah. That's it. I mean, the, the big uh, discussion point in the match was the eye, eye poke, um, which has happened a lot. Uh, recently in the UFC. Yeah. Uh, the fingerless yeah. gloves, you see fighters sort of putting their jab hand out with an open hand and yeah. poking people in the eye. Yeah. Um, Big John McCarthy is the best bloke to have in the ring. He's the premier ref, been yeah. since day one, and he handled that really well. Yeah. Just made sure he was all right, and then, you know, if he wanted to continue, he could. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what they can do about it, um, other than readers on the gloves, but he still need to be able to grapple. Well, I think they need to read on the gloves. That's it. Because, I mean, you got me a set of the uh, mixed martial arts gloves. And even just by putting those on and, and trying to punch with them, the thing is they, in a natural state, they make your hand straight. And mm. it takes effort to curl your hands up into a fist, mm. which is the hard part. And I think it would be better having them naturally set in a fist shape, not like a tight clenched fist, but bent over so that the effort is extending them out to grab stuff, not 
having to pull him into a clenched fist because for the most part, you've got a clenched fist and you need to grapple. It's not as hard to open him up and be able to grab something and then hold on to it. Yeah, no, you might have something there. The only thing I could think of would be you might create a gap between the knuckles and the padding um, when you open your hands up uh, that people could then grab into or get fingers caught in. But again, there's people paid shit tons of money I'm sure to yeah. design gloves but I reckon you could have instead of having the outside as elastic have the palm as elastic so that it grips it forward yeah. and the extension is going on the outwards well one thing I don't get that's UFC branded gloves which is fine yeah but how the hell are you know Everlast or Lonsdale not jumping on and saying Look, we'll design gloves for you well, th- and get it happening I think they might have been Struckforce I think Struckforce had pretty good gloves that might have had the tips covered or something like that or they were much more flexible gloves they weren't just so um, geared to make your hands straight but then when UFC bought them they stuck with their own gloves or never really gave much thought yeah. but I think I know Joe Rogan and, and Baz Rutten have had lots to say on it because they've done, well, Baz has done Pancrase and lots of different ones yeah. with no gloves and gloves and different types of gloves and yeah they were saying that you need something to be able to cover the fingertips but make sure it doesn't just uh, have your hand open and flat in a natural state you need to have mm. it bent over a little bit just a little bit not not into a clenched fist but just so the fingertips aren't automatically being pushed out straight when you're relaxed yeah um, and the other thing is so if you don't gouge someone's eyes if you end up just poking them in the forehead or whatever you're going to break your own knuckle anyway yeah yeah exactly well then that's the point is what they say is that if you're in a frame you have your fingers pointing towards the ceiling instead of pointing out Mm. But it's just hard with those gloves to be able to do that. And that's what they say. Instead of having them curved, they say push your palm forward because the gloves are already straight in your hand out. Yeah. So if you're pushing your palm forward, you can have them facing the ceiling like that. But it's still not a good solution to this problem. Well, I guess Obviously, too, with the wrist strapping and everything, you're avoiding the um, the palms facing forward. Yeah, that's of, true yeah. as well, actually. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but, you know, I can't see them stopping that because breaking your own wrist when you punch something is pretty common. Yeah. And I mean, at the moment, with, with problems they've got with uh, fighter welfare or well-being, it's, the gloves are not I mean they're not, they're not negligible, but they've got steroids and they're trying to work out their doping program. They've also got green shots and how the fuck they work out that. And I mean, they've got lots of things on their plate and they're slowly getting through them. So I'm, I'm sure it will be addressed. It's just a matter of finding a suitable solution and there's definitely ones out there. So well, I think for green shots, you should just get a free hit. Like a Rochambeau? No, no. You, well, you've got that option. But uh, all right, that was a groin shot. All right, stand in the middle. He gets one free hit, and you just you can't move. He can try and block it if he wants, yep. but uh, he can't counter punch, and you get that free hit. So you can decide to do a swinging roundhouse punch. You can decide to just kick him straight in the middle if you want. Um, I think that'd be pretty amusing, like a like a no ball in cricket. Yeah, well, that's a good point. What about if we made green shots legal, then people have to force to defend them? Yeah, I don't Maybe. think anyone really wants to see that. Well, no, but the thing is, if you're forced to make sure that you don't get punched in the nuts... It's probably a good chance you're not getting punched in the nuts. Yeah, yeah. I've based uh, it on zero fights. I, I think you'd find most of the blokes in the crowd would sort of look and then wince and then turn away and then maybe find something else to do for 20 minutes. Well, that's true. But I mean, I do that when there's a lay and pray, so... Yeah, true. But anyway, back to um, Johnny Cage. Yeah. Um, I know it's Case, but fuck it, Cage is better. Yeah, this is our podcast. Um, Johnny Cage. <laughs> yeah, he just sort of pushed the fight the whole way. Um he was the more aggressive fighter, had the better takedowns, yeah. and won every round. Um, I don't know what Trevino was trying to do. Yeah. Uh, kickboxing background, obviously, so 
he looked pretty comfortable on his feet, but yeah. he didn't really look to attack. And like you said, he looked a bit overweight. He didn't look in real good shape. And this this is in Mexico City where the altitude is 7,500 feet, I believe, off the top of my head. Somewhere in there. Which is just ridiculous to try and do any sort of strenuous activity and keep your composure. And I think a lot, caught a lot of people out. So, look, I'd like to see uh, him possibly try and drop to a lower weight division. I think he'd make, what's the next one, bantamweight? Um I think he could, yeah, make the next one below. So mm. I'd like to see him do that. But Johnny Cage, uh, Johnny Cage, yeah, fuck it, let's go with that. He, I, I wasn't too. I thought he was pretty impressive, to be honest. Yeah, especially him. with one eye. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously with one eye shut or blurry. Yep. Hard to judge distance, but uh, his takedowns were good. His ground yep. game was good, and his striking was decent. And I think um, Trevino just didn't really give him anything to cause worry. I think with no. that, with that eye poke he's, he's like I've got one eye but still I'm going to win this fight so I've got to figure out how to go through it but he was never really scared with what Trevino was putting in front of him no Trevino was for some reason baiting him to body kick him or some shit and I, I don't know what he was thinking yeah. um, no, that, was, that, was, that was the last fight that was Pendrin <laughs> fuck what's his name this one he was baiting him to try and punch him against the fence oh, yeah, you're yeah. like dude like, you're already getting smashed against the fence Like the last thing you want is him to keep on doing it mm. I don't know um Maybe it was a machismo thing. Who can tell? But uh, either way, Case did enough. Um, he was just that 10% better all through the match. Um, never really looked worried and got the W. And that's three in a row for him too. So More than three. Three in a row in the UFC. So, you know, yeah, Dana that's 11 at, in a row uh, all, all up. Yeah. Dana probably look at stepping him up, maybe getting him onto the undercard rather than the uh, dark matches. I know that was the first one of the prelims. So oh, he's just he's just kicked the Jew off the prelims. Yeah, ah, oh, fair play then. Um, well, I'm looking bring him up even higher because uh, obviously the higher up the card you go, more people are watching, more exposure you get, more chance of getting sponsors. Which exactly, even though you can't bring him in the ring, you can still have sponsors on your own website and all that sort of shit. Exactly, and I think that's just about changing the strategy of sponsors in UFC. They'll all adapt, and you know you can do plenty of stuff outside of the cage because you spend more time outside the cage than you do inside the cage. So you can do media, you can do public, whatever yeah. the fuck you want to do. You can do you can put on your own fucking clinic if you're sponsored by Venom. Put on a fucking Venom clinic where you get kids in, teach them jujitsu, teach them boxing, teach them Mai Tai, teach them whatever, and they're in there showing them how to do it. Yeah, and all the fighters, um, you know, yeah, they can't after this month they can't go in with anyone but Reebok on them yeah. but on their own personal web pages and on their personal yeah. branding yeah. they can use whatever the fuck they want yeah. so yeah you can't wear the shorts yeah. but you can still have it in your banner on your web page you still exactly. have it in your merchandise you sell yeah like I mean you've pretty much got 300 and maybe I'll say 58 if you fight mm. 8 times a year you've got 358 days to f- do something else with your sponsorship and your, actually no so fight week includes that as well so yeah. let's just go 350 Three days sh- to make money and promote shit. It actually shocks me how many fighters don't merchandise their shit. Yeah. Cub Swanson's the best one. He's got the best fucking logo. Ever see on your gi? Yeah. Cub Swanson. It's fucking awesome. Like, yeah. I love it. Um, So many of them. And, like, fuck it. Let's look at Johnny Case here. Um, For a start, sunglasses. If your name's Hollywood, fuck yeah. it. Have your own little sunglasses. Go see, well, Oakley or Spy or who the fuck ever. Yeah. And get them branded on. Um, Sell them through your website. And the thing is, he's a lightweight, so they're the small fellas. And, I mean, as far as they go, they take heaps of punishment. And as far as fighters go, he's probably the worst-looking cunt. So, I'm mm. sure he could sell lots of shit. Yeah. But, again, you look at um, merchandise you can buy, and it's more than just T-shirts. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, look at Sakuraba. The thing is, the T-shirts suck anyway. The t-shirts yeah, are they're shit. all terrible. Yeah. But look at uh, Sakuraba. He's got a good deal with Scramble at the moment. 
Yeah. Where he's got a, a hoodie where you zip it up at the front and it turns into the Sakuraba mask. Oh, no shit. That's it's, fucking awesome. That's awesome. Um, that's and brilliant. Rashies, tights, uh, fight yep. shorts, all that sort of shit. Yep. I don't understand why other fighters don't do that. Yep. Um, like, they're complaining, oh, I'm losing money because I can't get all these other sponsors. Fuck that. Get a long-term relationship with a sponsor. Exactly right. And you see guys like um, Big Nog has yep. a whole big relationship with Venom. I, yeah. Nog hasn't fought in fucking ages. Exactly. And, and I mean, he's been shit out in his last five fights. So. Yeah. But he's making more money out of Venom. Yeah, just, uh, exactly. His and uh, Leoto Machida's the same thing. He makes yep. money out of Venom too. Yep. Um, Joe Cialdo's other one. Yeah. There's so many brands out there that want to break into yep. the MMA uh, landscape. Yep. Get involved with them. Yeah, like, I mean, and the thing is, make spats. Make spats and geese. You yeah. make a fucking killing. I don't understand why fighters aren't proactive with this shit. Yeah. Like, it's because uh, they're not smart. They're fighters. <laughs> they get punched but even in the face. They, they've got managers. Like, there's more than just teeing up yeah. what, what you're going to wear on fight night. I'm sure the managers probably got their own line of clothing or some shit yeah, that they're, they're making money off. But, uh, you know, if, if you're a, an A-grade name, like, you yeah. know, you're, uh, you, any of the champions, especially Rousey, because yeah. she's marketable as fuck. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much after the sponsors will come to you. Yep. Uh, they'll get you to one of endorsements, maybe a Pepsi ad or what the fuck ever. Mm. But if you're near the mark and, you know, people like your Misha Tate yeah. or, um, uh, well, Velasquez would be up the top, but uh, Verdun, Velasquez, they've, they'd probably be chased. Um, if Roy Nelson hasn't endorsed KFC yet, I would really want to talk to their marketing department. Well, I mean, Mark Hunt's known as the KFC king, so yeah. they turned him down sponsorship, so I reckon Roy Nelson's got no chance. Yeah, that, but that's horseshit. He's, he's going along this Kung Fu line, so I mean, I'm sure they're making a Kung Fu, Kung fucking whatever, Panda 3. Stick him on that one. <laughs> give, him a, give him a cameo. What fucking animal would Plug he be? the shit out of that. He'd be the fucking panda. That's what he'd be. No, he'd just have to be a mountain, wouldn't he'd he? He'd be like a cross between the Kung Fu Panda's dad and Splinter from the Turtles. <laughs> Give him like a, that long beard and shit. Uh, we have a fight's going on, didn't we? Yeah, Johnny Case. So, yeah. We got the W and that was pretty much about enough. Yeah, that was it. And we're going to the next fight. Yep, bring it on. Next fight was Patrick the Animal Williams versus Alejandro El Diablito Perez. It, I think that is the little devil, but it could also be, you know, maybe it's a condition he has. Um, requiring insulin or something I'm not sure anyway um, this fight not a whole lot to it no we're probably going to speak for longer than the fight actually did Um, I hope so because otherwise it's going to be a fucking short fight (laughs) I think we already have Uh, Perez um, well he probably had a night to forget which is fortunate because he was unconscious rather rapidly and probably won't remember any of it he was yeah Um, in positives I guess he could fight again later on the card if he actually needed to he was uh, in that quickly just that First uppercut by Williams. Yeah. Uh, you know, rocked him. But it was strange. He just made use of his reach. It was like a like a leading uppercut jab, more or less. Just extended and, and pushed straight through the guard. It was very Tekken. Yeah, it was, um, actually. Step forward, uppercut, bang. And right I think the middle. perfect timing as well, because right at the start of the round where you're trying to figure out your range and figure out your... Um, you know, the steps that the people are doing and figure out your patterns that they're working and you're working and just straight down the middle like that, rocked him, bum rushed him, followed up, pushed him against the fence and tried to twist his neck off his shoulders more or less. Yeah. Um, and he's only 60 kilos, so he's he's not a big bloke. But yeah. that uppercut started from his toes. You yeah. can see he was coming forward, yep. uh, dipping down slightly and just rising every kilogram going into that fist. And jeez, yep. he pretty much shouted Shoruken. As yep. he was firing it off, um, yeah, looked like the Statue of Liberty falling down, yeah. more or less. <laughs> but you know, he, and then 
obviously um, Alejandro was uh, falling backwards, and then the guillotine it got a bit too deep almost. So it was more like a front naked choke. Yeah, well, he switched to that vice grip they were talking about uh, a few fights ago with John Jones doing it, and um, James Vick did it against Jake Matthews as well. It's getting a bit of um, hype in the UFC at the moment. It's one of those moves that you see come about, and people are like, shit, that works. That's a good variation. Mm. Uh, it's almost like you know you see lots of variations in striking where lots of Taekwondo techniques have come about mm. and spinning back fists and shit like that. Um, no, that's a, ta- a Taekwondo technique specifically, but those ones where people thought they weren't a whole lot of chop uh, figured out how to mix it into the fighting style like the spinning hook kicks you see um, yeah yeah Uriah exactly Hall. or the question mark um, kicks yeah and Conor McGregor he's got a nice spinning hook kick too yep um, so yeah maybe Van Dam could come out and say he taught them that well Van Dam has said that he'd love to be able to teach Conor some stuff if he gets time so I think Conor would do it Fuck yeah, he would. He's Hollywood as shit. He said, look, this this is the fight business, but I'm the money man. I'm, I'm going, yeah. I'm doing this, and I'm taking Hollywood. I'm taking the whole fucking lot. Uh, honestly, I'd love to see Conor McGregor in the next uh, Expendables movie. Yeah. I think he'd be yep. hilarious. Yep. Just with the Irish brogue. And let's be honest, he fits the, the I don't know, moniker for that, or what motif, whatever the fuck it is, the arrogant out there and can whoop ass as Tattooed. well. Dude. Up and coming. Uh, well, didn't Ronda get a gig in fucking Expendables? Last uh, one? Yeah. Yeah. She, um, was, she was Michelle Rodriguez's... No, that was uh, Fast and Furious. Oh, I was too. Sorry. Yeah, but I think she's got too. a gig in the next Expendables um, because yeah, Gina Ferrano right. had the last one. Yep. What was that? Not the Fast and Furious. She got something. I yeah, was, fuck uh, it. Um, yeah, you heard it here first. There yeah, you go. there you go. <laughs> fuck it. Um, but yeah, uh, what can you say about... Patrick Williams, he came in, knocked the motherfucker out. Yeah, 33 years old, so you can see he's not about wasting time. He wants to get in there and start fucking people up. It's only his second UFC fight as well. He's one on one, lost against Chris Beale in his um, opening fight. Yeah, lots but, of people lose their first UFC fight. So. But that was in a spectacular fashion, too, with that flying knee. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to lose a fight, losing spectacularly is much, yep. much better than grinding out a, a draw exactly. or a shitty decision loss. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so he's done his case no harm at all. Plus, the dude is fucking ripped. Yeah, isn't he? He's jacked. And the thing is, you can't fault anything he did in this fight. It lasted probably 20 seconds or something. Didn't step a foot wrong from Bell to... No, literally. Uh, the only the only time Alejandro was able to touch him was when they touched gloves at the start. Yeah, and that's that was it. the only uh, only move that Alejandro did. He yeah. got... And I mean... All he, all he, shaped up, got knocked, rocked, and uh, put unconscious. All he did was, yeah... Gave him a bit of a bit of a tap on the tap on the lips and then put him to sleep. So I mean, you could say he's probably one of the best nannies going around Mexico at the moment. Well, I've, I've seen videos of Mex- uh, Mexican nannies. They can be Brazzers. rougher than that. Oh yeah, they're no, not Brazzers. Oh shit, sorry, wrong wrong nannies. That was Mexican babysitters. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, not a whole lot to say about that fight. He came in, did a very not a technical Actually, choke, what but is the difference between a babysitter and a nanny. I don't even fucking know. Um, probably about twenty years, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think um, one cleans up your children's shit and one cleans up your shit. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Hard-hitting questions on this podcast. It is. We've got plenty more to come too. Like our next fight is Efrain Escudero, who's the Ultimate Fighter alumni, versus Drew Dober. Um, Again, like our last fight, not a whole lot happened except for dude getting choked the fuck out with the guillotine. Yeah, I mean, the difference being uh, Drew Dober tried to step in and get some stuff done. He slipped over. Yeah. And it's one of those mistakes that uh, people tend to make when they lose their fundamentals. Uh, When you're getting up, a technical stand-up is how to do it. So you 
playing yeah. one hand, the other hand's forward, so your opponent yeah. can't close distance. And he didn't. He just tried to get up like he was getting up off the beach and stuck his neck out. And, you know, his mate just said, well, I'll have that, thanks. Well, I think what it, what it really was was it's just a wrestler versus jiu-jitsu dude, um, especially, well, sorry, wrestler versus jiu-jitsu technique. When you you get rocked or you're in, a, in the deep waters, you're st- you automatically go back to what you know and your instincts kick in for what they've been trained to do. And he's just wrestling. And unfortunately, he didn't put his uh, head on the inside or in the middle. He stuck mm. it right on the outside and just gave up his neck. Like, there's no other way around it. You can't try and take someone out like that and not get guillotined. Yeah. And especially so early in the fight when there's, you know, no sweat to slip or slide. Yeah. Um, Efrain just grabbed it and he's feeling strong. He's feeling confident. Yeah. He's got the crowd behind him. He's going to try and rip his damn head off. And... He, he did that. It wasn't yep. a, a, the cleanest of guillotines, but uh, it was a strong grip, and he had it on sweet and got the tap. Well, it's like the other ones we were talking about, where you're going for... It's just straight guillotine. There's no arm in or anything, and so it's very easy to, to rotate and try and get around. And it's, when you saw Efrain get underneath the neck, he was trying to um, sort of sit down on his knees and arch his back backwards. But the thing is, what that does is get the center of gravity lower, so the person who's in the guillotine has gone on the tippy toes, then try and start defending. But as soon as Efrain stood up, and then really put the pressure on, then it was over. He had to tap straight away because there's, you can't get any more on your tippy toes and you can't defend it anymore. Well, yeah, the, the secret of the guillotine is to fold someone's head over their own chest uh, yeah. with your arm underneath it, which yeah. know, cuts off the air and blood. Um, yeah. And in this case, he was able to do it by finishing up and just muscling it through. Yeah. But uh, Dobe was unlucky, I thought. Just uh, he got up wrong. And once you're in that guillotine, you're fucked. Yeah. But uh, well, look, he'll he'll learn from it. He's twenty six. Um, his recent record, you know, besides that loss, yep, um, hasn't been fantastic. He's fifteen and seven. But uh, he's coming off a, uh, a no contest, a no contest, uh, overturned by Cab MMA. So I'm guessing I'm that's it was drugs or something. Yeah. But the thing is, Cab, Cab MMA is Brazil, and I'm pretty leaning on drugs at the moment because all the Brazilians are getting popped. So, but you know. He's had quite a few um, UFC fights, but unfortunately, he's. Uh, well, he's got there. He beat, he beat Jamie Varner at the end of last year. I mean, Which Jamie Varner's fucking good wrestler as well. To be honest, yeah, because he's had uh, two decision losses before that. His first UFC fights, and then uh, a win by submission, and then a loss by submission here tonight. Um, that loss probably hasn't done his prospects too much harm, just because it was an entertaining loss. Yeah. He'll get one more fight, but if he loses that, he'd be done. Yeah, I think I think we'll find him a uh, similar situation to this, fighting on the card for his career. Well, not for his career, but for his UFC career, anyway. Mm. Um, and yeah, so the story of that one was a friend came in, just like the last fight, put the pressure on, uh, took the opportunity to slap on a guillotine, real slick too, and just managed to keep the hold there and just transition it to uh, sink it in, cinch it in. And um, yeah, I mean, when you make that, it's just like, it's a game, like they say, that. NFL is a game of inches, so is jiu-jitsu. Not even that, a game of centimetres because one little slip, one wrong move and you're fucked. Like like I said, when he, when uh, Efrain cinched in that guillotine, as soon as he put it under his neck, that's the situation that they always say where if you're in a situation, you fucked up a long time ago. Mm. I mean, it's kind of funny, uh, Efrain, his nickname, uh, Hesho en Mexico, means uh, made in Mexico. Oh, does it? Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, but I would have thought if your name is Efrain Escudero, Probably a bit redundant to say made in Mexico because uh, no one's going to get confused with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean... And especially when he fights out of the US, technically. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe Esther, I mean, 
maybe he has to try and differentiate himself. We saw lots of people who they'll claim all, all American, but when they fight in Mexico, nah, man, Mexican. Yeah, nah, full Mexican. <laughs> I ain't fucking living here. I ain't doing shit for you cunts, but I'm Mexican. It's like, bullshit, mate. You're fucking American. Yeah, well, either way, maybe maybe it's just a marketing thing. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, you'd have to be happy with uh, his efforts tonight. Oh, the crowd loved it, so what can you do? That's what he had to entertain and did his job well. Yeah, I mean, you know, finish fights and finish with a win. Finish fights, it. make money, profit, get bitches. That's how it works, isn't it? It's the four-step process. Yeah, let's run with that. Yeah. Next fight, uh, last fight, sorry, on the undercard is Henry the Messenger Sahudo versus Chico King Camus. Uh, very good fight in the, I think this is, uh, what are we in, Bantamweight? Yeah, terrible. Flyweight. Um, Flyweight. The messenger. I mean, you know, I guess no worse than the postman. I guess. Yeah. Well, I think I think um, I'm pretty sure it's Henry Cejudo who was saying that in Mexico he wants to be known. Oh no, sorry, that was actually uh, coming up. Um, Gastelum, Kevin Gastelum. All right, we'll talk yeah, about that. Forget now. I said about that. That's coming up in this episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were saying during the fight that uh, Cejudo was a 12 to one favorite. Uh, the fight didn't reflect that. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, granted, I think Cahuto won the fight. Uh, I think he was just that 10% better. Yeah. But, um... Well, yeah. He's, he's an Olympic gold medalist in wrestling, which gives him the credentials that makes everyone expect him to be able to dominate these sorts of fights. However, um, Chico Camus, he trains with, like they said on the on the broadcast, he trains with Ben Askren, who's no joke as a wrestler. He is legit. And he is like when when you see you like just don't like him apparently when you, when you see um, Henner and them do the Gracie breakdowns and they're that excited about jiu-jitsu, that's the way that Ben Askren is about wrestling. Like he loves it and he's very very talented at what he does. And so he would have been training um, uh, Chico uh, in wrestling this whole this whole fight camp. And I think that showed in Chico's uh, takedown defense. I think he was like. It took 13 attempts before Sahudu actually got him down to the ground, which is fucking amazing for a gold medal wrestler. Like, that's incredible. Yeah, and remember <laughs> remember earlier in this podcast when I spoke about one of the fighters, how he had the same birthday as me? Yep. Yeah, uh, I was wrong because the dates were American uh, for This, this, this dude does. This does. No the, shit. The message actually does have 9th of February, so, you know, it's, uh, it's come back around. Um, yeah, so that was uh, another point of interest, I guess. Yeah. Uh, looking at his record though he's got nine straight wins yep. five of them are from decisions yeah um, that can work against you so massively because in this one he was in no danger he yep. he owned the pace of the fight uh, yeah. without dominating I don't think he dominated um, no, no. I, I think he tried to but I, I think that the way the uh, Chico trained his wrestling defense just mm. neutralized what Sahudo had planned but you can dominate for you know 13 minutes of a fight yep. if one bloke gets like four takedowns in the last yep. round or, you know, gets a d- couple of decent punches, you can lose that fight. Look, I completely agree. Completely agree. And I think that this fight, that, um, Henry Cejudo, he won a mixed martial arts contest, but he did not win this fight. Yes. If this is a fight, this is a draw. And yep. the thing is, what, what I want to try and, well, what I'd like to see change in MMA is the acceptance of draws because you got three rounds of five minutes. It's not enough to determine who is the better fighter in a lot of cases, especially in the light, the lighter weight divisions where you get a lot of more decisions because you don't have the power to knock someone out and you don't have the time and, and longevity to wear them out or to put in your game plan. So I think in this case, it's a draw. As, as, a, as far as a fight goes, it's a draw. An MMA contest, so who won that MMA contest? 
But I think this sort of thing says that in these weight divisions, especially flyweight, I want a mandatory five rounds because they can do it. And I think we're ripping ourselves off a great spectacle because this, this was set up on almost a balance where Cejudo was trying to take him down and try and use his wrestling, but it took him 12, 12 takedowns to actually get a successful one. I would love to see this go to two more rounds and see what happens then because I think this was just at the point where either fighter is either going to break or make. Yeah, I guess the, the criticism would be then you might have uh, the middle rounds end up just uh, sit and wait kind of thing. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Obviously, you want to ins- uh, encourage your fighters to keep pushing the action. Yep. And I think they did this for this fight. There was always action going on. Yep. Um, so as a decision-based fight, it wasn't wasn't a bad one. And it was yep. one of the better ones on this card. But um, yeah, I know what you mean. You, you kind of want uh, to give the people paying to watch it value for money yeah um i don't want forced results i want to be like soccer where and uh, a draw is a draw and that's just the way it ended up there was no clear winner yeah i, I would agree with that in this fight um Cahudo was cleaner yeah. but uh, in the end result i don't think either fighter did more damage than the other yeah. i think uh in terms of ability to inflict damage on the other fighter they yeah. were both fairly even yeah and i, and I think like I agree with the decision that Sahuda won this MMA contest, mm. but I think that the real skill was in Chico neutralizing what was Sahudo's offense, which was wrestling, and his ability to... He tries to set up his wrestling with a barrage of strikes going mm. forward, and Sahudo just neutralized the whole way, and he might have got taken down, down uh, eventually, but it took him like 13 tries. And so I think we got ripped off uh, a good fight with not having the next couple of rounds, but this is the uh, outlier in that case. I don't think that it's always that way. Well, maybe in these sort of fights, um, if there's time at the end of the broadcast, Dana White could uh, step up and be like, all right, who want to bring back? <laughs> yeah. Have like a curtain call, yeah. Yeah. an encore. Have like a fan boost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fuck it. And then they bring them both back and they're like, all right, uh, you've got seven minutes. Go nuts. Yeah. And they just wail on each other. Uh, and the winner gets a, a, a winner by knockout gets yep. a, a big 50 grand boost or something. And the thing is, with this division, with the flyweight division, this is um, Demetrius Johnson's division, and they're running out of contenders for him to fight because he's already fought the top five. And the only one that you'd say would have any interest in, from a, a um, marketability perspective, would be John Dodson versus DJ. But Sohudo is the next one coming through with an unbeaten record, but even he said, look, I'm not at that level yet. I'm not ready to take on DJ and the likes of those top mm. three. So, I mean, I'd like to see maybe... He um, needs to finish fights. Yeah, but I'd see him face Moraga, I think. Yeah, I, think. I mean, all his UFC fights have gone the distance, yeah. which, you know, speaks to his fitness, absolutely. And being an Olympic-level wrestler, you know, he has to be in top physical condition. Yeah. But you need to finish fights. At the end of the day, you're in the entertainment business, not the winning fights business. And yeah. people, like, the UFC will try and say that's not it, but there's no fucking two ways about it. If you're not entertaining and you don't make people want to watch your fights, you don't have a fucking job. There's no two mm. ways about it. So I think like I'd like to see Sahudo fight uh yeah, like Moraga, um maybe even Uncle Creepy or something like that. Uh it's not Uncle Creepy, Little Heathen. Oh, yeah. Fucking John Joe Stevenson. <laughs> I think he's really a fight book though, so yeah. I mean well, I reckon we'll see uh sorry, I reckon we'll see Dodson versus um DJ and we'll see Sahudo fight someone else for the, the next track crack at the title. Yeah, I'll be fine with that. Um yeah, it wasn't the most entertaining of fights, but it was a good uh, physical contest. So yep. it did get a decision, but it was a decision that uh, was pushed the whole way. So yeah. I- I'm okay with it. Yeah, I think I think 
Chico. Uh, Cejudo wasn't ready for the defense that Chico had, but Chico couldn't mount enough offense to overthrow the aggressiveness of yeah. Cejudo. I mean, it could be interesting. Maybe Chico thought he could phone this one in and uh, got a bit of a surprise. So he might... Uh, well, Chico was a 12-to-1 underdog coming into this fight, so I don't think yeah. he was ever really phoning it in. I don't think he was ever really thinking he was going to win, but he put on that performance and had a strategy that was good enough to beat Cejudo, except for his offensive game wasn't full enough. Yeah, no... Uh, Chico was too defensive. Um, he was never going to win it. He, he might have got a moral victory from lasting, but in the end, that's not what keeps you in the fight game. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's considered a loss for both people, to be honest. Yep. I think Cejudo, who was 8-1 going in this fight, yeah, he's 9-1, but you didn't step forward in that fight. Mm. So we'll move on to the next fight. You're eight and 2 Okay, next fight we got Tisha the Tiny Tornado Torres versus Angela Overkill Hill. Um, highlight for me was actually Angela's nickname, Overkill. I think it's fantastic for her. I do. Uh, and the thing is, I really like Angela Hill. She was uh, a breath of fresh air on the Ultimate Fighter when they had the chicks on there. And um, I don't know if you follow her on Twitter, but she's fucking awesome, man. I know she had a thread on, I think it was Sherdog or something, where, you know, Reddit has like an Ask Me Anything. She had like a Draw Me, I'll Draw Anything. Wow. Where you'd, you'd tell her, like, I want a dolphin fucking a football while um, driving through London. And she'd draw it. <laughs> like, no worries. She's a fucking really talented artist. Yeah, she, she didn't really inspire me in her uh, tough fights, though. Um, no. She, she came in talking a big game and just didn't really live up to it. Well, she wasn't rounded then. She was uh, more or less strictly uh, Muay Thai and stand-up stand up striking. And I think it took uh, Ultimate Fighter House to really give her... And things in that weight division, it's really hard finding girls who are at the same school level at the same weight level. So I think mm. the Ultimate Fighter House really gave her sort of that that pool depth of people to train against to really find out what your weaknesses are. Mm. And I think she's gone She's gone really well after that. And she's, she's not at the level that other people are at the top tier of, of that weight division. But she definitely has the potential and she definitely has the attitude to, to get there. Uh, I think she's just sort of finding out what she really needs to ace. You know what I mean? When it comes yeah. to wrestling. And uh, in the commentary, Rogan was saying that's a talent stack division. Um, like, that's not. <laughs> even if it was, these two aren't the best talents. I mean, it's not. Yeah. Uh, Tisha Torres is 5-0, and but they're yeah. all by decision. And um, you look how JJ just fucked up Carla Esparza, who was the champion. Mm. As not as not talent stacked, but they've just got Michelle Waterson over from I think it's World Series of Fighting, who was the champion there. Oh, she's called Invicta. The, Invicta, yeah, sorry, the Karate Hottie. They got Jessica Jessica Aguilar from World Series of Fighting, who was the champion there. So they've got both champions from the rival categories, which is the best thing you can do to strengthen this division. Uh, Michelle Waterson is head and shoulders above these two, hot um, as fuck. Well, that too, but she will come in and destroy these bitches. Yeah. And she's already got a win over Jessica Penne as well, mm, that who, was, who was the champion at that time in Invicta. Yeah, um, I watched that Invicta, and it was a fantastic fight. Yeah, uh, Penne is hard as nails, just yeah. kept coming forward. Knocked her down too, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. yep. Um, but uh, Waterson, yeah. Waterson was just so damn flexible on the ground. Uh, yeah. Her ability to keep her legs in play, yep. even when uh, Penne was trying to stack, yep. uh, just fantastic flexibility and ability to attack from any angle. But uh, back onto this one... Um, Hill and Torres, it was pretty much what... Torres did enough, just kept top position as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, didn't put herself at risk, but didn't really close the fight out either. I mean... I mean, Torres is yeah. five foot one, and she's got a wrestling background, so you don't expect her to stand toe-to-toe with anybody. But all she no. did was push 
push Angela against the fence and stall her. And when she's on the ground, she just tried to do the minimum amount of swimming so that she didn't get stood up, which wins your fights, but doesn't win you fans. And yeah, the I thing mean, is, you're in a fan-based entertainment industry. Well, they'll put her in a, a title shot, and I think she'll get creamed. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, she got fucked up in the Ultimate Fighter, and you saw how Esparza got fucked up by JJ in the title fight. Mm-hmm. Like, So you obviously, if, if you're not at that ability where you can beat Carla Esparza, who I think was legit on that Ultimate Fighter, like she was just not scared mm-hmm. and just laid it down to her, but they forgot that someone with crisp uh, world championship level Mai Tai will fuck you up if you don't know it. Yeah. You can't be... You can't lack a dimension in mixed martial arts these days. No, I think uh, the women's MMA is evolving to that point. Like uh, in yeah. the men's, you have to be rounded. If yep. you don't have striking and grappling, you've got no chance of winning a yep. fight. But um, I think women's, there still is a fair bit of uh, single dimension for a lot of fighters. Yep. Yeah, I agree, especially in this weight division. Yeah, I mean, one of the criticisms of Rousey has always been that she doesn't knock people out, but she doesn't fucking need she to. doesn't need to. And, <laughs> and she has now, but um, I think she always had that ability. She just... Never got someone to push her to the point where she used it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, with Tisha Torres, just she didn't show much impressive. Um, she might have uh, a better chance going forward to move up a card and fight some yeah. better quality opposition. Um, yeah. I don't think she's at that level, which should be entertaining because uh, if you're uh, Joe Silver setting the matches, yeah, you've got somebody 6-0 and against uh, someone who might not have the best record Exactly, but uh, is a better quality fighter, yep. and she'll just steam. She'll get steamrolled. Um, yeah. I would love to see someone like Waterson come in, uh, Penne, and yep. I think Penne's fighting up now. She's but, fighting uh, for the title. No, she's fighting for this title um, next week. Yeah, this weekend actually. In a couple of days, she's fighting for the title against JJ mm. in this weight division. But uh, those girls will give her a hiding. Uh, but yeah. I think it would be a good um, a good spectacle hiding, just because Torres is very defensive and very um, good at her grappling. She's not much defensive, it's that she's safe. Yes. Where she'll put you in a, a position where you can't amount any offense. So she's in a position where she can do something, but doesn't because there's no risk. Mm. Which is a, you know, a, a great methodology to use in, say, street fighting. Yeah, it's, but, a great, it's a great way to win fights. It's not a great way to forge a career. Yeah, keeping yourself safe is very important in self-defense, but it never gets you home. Yeah, exactly. Like she, she's not going to... Like you can be an accountant and be safe in the noise. You're never going to get raped, never going to get beat up. But you want to make a career out of fighting, you've got to be exciting because yeah. you're in the entertainment business. You're not in the winning fights business, despite what you think. Well, when you look at the fights, you can pick uh, a couple of highlights. But from this, there really wasn't a moment where you go, oh, damn. Well, the thing is, I think this says it most, is that this was the most booed fight on this card and afterwards, at the uh, post-fight presser, Dana White made a point to someone who pointed out to say that the crowd was a bit unruly. He said, no, this was an educated crowd. Like, mm. they cheered when someone stepped over to gain side control. And he said, I did not disagree with one single boo that they did this night. And yeah. Dana's a critic of people booing at fights. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think uh, Torres just, you know, she... She kept, played it safe. She kept in control. But she played it safe. That's all she did. She tried to wrestle and push her against the fence or hold on the ground so that she wouldn't lose a fight. But she didn't win a fight. 
All she no. did was held someone down. That's it. And I think the UFC uh, men's division went through that a few years back, uh, especially guys like GSP. Um, yeah. He was skillful enough that he would just counter and you know play it safe and win on points, which uh, is to, fine to be to fair, I, I think a lot of the criticisms leveled at GSP were a bit off because he did get Freddie Roach in there and developed the most vicious jab you've seen in a mixed martial <laughs> arts where he fucked up Josh Chos- Koscheck, fucked up his eye forever with just a jab. That's it. Yeah, it is It is always nice seeing Koscheck get beaten. Yeah, it is. True. But I mean, in, in fairness, GSP, his safety... Uh, is always to stay safe yeah, was yeah. because of yeah. his ability to strike, to grapple, yeah. to kick. Um, I think it, his, his ability was to game plan. Like that yeah. was that was I think Greg Jackson's influence on his career. But I think when you come down to raw skills, GSP had it. Mm. It's just his game plan was always do not lose. Yeah, and I think that's Greg Jackson coming and saying this is the way that you can win and have zero risk on losing. And I mean, you're you're finding out a loophole in the rules. I, I can't. I don't have any regrets towards Greg Jackson or that whole camp for that game plan because they're the rules that are set out mm. and they say that this is what you need to do to win and he's figured out how this person with these skills can manipulate these rules to make sure he wins every single fight yeah. and he did but I think if he went toe-to-toe with anyone he'd do very fucking well mm. the thing is too you, you want to see fighters who are hungry me too yeah you want to see exactly. guys uh, and girls who are just go out there and go yeah. look look, I'm, I'm a, a fucking fighter yeah, that's what I do if, even if they come out outclassed yeah. they go look uh, yep I'm, I'm going to struggle this one, but I'm going to go down swinging. Yep. Uh, you'd love to see it. In this, neither of them did that. Um, Angela Hill just sort of came out and just looked a bit lost. Yep. Um, and Tisha Torres sort of came out, got on the ground, and was kind of like, all right, what now? I mean, I, I completely agree where you're saying where it doesn't matter if you're out class, you come out there and you fight because anything can happen in a fight. One punch can knock that motherfucker out. So you have to back yourself and you have to mm. be pushing forward. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because that leads us right into our next fight. Which is Yair Rodriguez versus Charles Rosa. Yeah, the um, Yair Rodriguez versus um, Charles Rosa. Much better decision. Um, decision based fight. Uh, in the opening first seconds, you see Yair come up with that freaky fly kick spinning insiguri thing. Um, and the the entertainment was just there for the whole fight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree where. Yahir, there's no doubt Yahir was the better fighter. But yes. I think in these fights, honestly, uh, I wouldn't have disagreed if, if Rose got the nod because I think Yahir was definitely the better fighter, but he's looking to prove he's the better fighter as opposed to giving, uh, sort of taking what's given to him. Whereas he can punch, punch, jab, put combinations in, do lots of little damage lots of the time, and then look look to set up his knockout punches. But instead, he's looking for... Too much of a knockout punch or a flare kick or something like that, where I feel that he could have fucking demolished uh, Charles Rosa in no time and had no worries about it if he had have did the the little pass that set up your flashy kicks and your style moves. Yeah, the it was good to watch though. Um, yeah, 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 it was. It was very much like Uriah Hall. They've got this exactly uh, high right. level finishing ability, but they don't have as much grind about them. Well, it's like it's like they've been known for that that high level finish ability, and it's worked against the opposition they've had for so long. And then they get the UFC, and that's what they look for. And then they realise that if I jab, jab, punch, do my one, two, four combinations or whatever it is they've got set up, then I put that person in a position where they don't know what's coming, and then I do my knockout moves. I don't just go, look, i got this dude wrapped up, and I'll knock him out when I want, because you're in the UFC, mate, and it doesn't work that easy. I mean, in fairness, um, Rodriguez should have been able to finish that triangle he had in the first round. Exactly right, um, yep. It was yep. nice and deep. He had the legs locked. The only thing I could see him doing yep. wrong was he was grabbing his own toes to adjust. Yeah. 
and he wasn't trying to turn the corner and uh, even he was able to grab the back of Rose's ankle yeah. which means you should be able to do a pretty easy sweep into a mounted triangle uh, if you get mounted triangle yep. with it locked in in the cage yep. it's over like if you don't get the sub then exactly you're going to just right. keep punching them in the face until they give up yeah well, well like Joe Rogan said on the, on the broadcast was that all he has to do is to be able to make um, Rosa react is pull down on his head because that mm. puts pressure on your fucking veins and your ability to breathe and you have to react to that so your arm is going to do something and the thing is the, the problem he had with finishing was pushing um, Rosa's left arm across his body to be able to cinch in the triangle and maybe turn the corner and, and get onto a side on hook the leg or something like that but it seemed like he tried to hook the leg at the wrong times and when the opportunity was there to hook the leg he was trying to punch um Rosa in the face and so I think if he had have just concentrated on cinching that triangle pulling down on his shin bone as opposed to trying to get his toes and then pulling down the head maybe hook the the leg you would have finished that no worries at the bare minimum you would have swept him into a mounted triangle and you could have pounded his face through the fucking mat mm, yeah I mean that was one point of the fight but overall pretty entertaining fight there yep. was uh, lots of spitting kicks some back fisting some yep. air kicks some flying knees and look, I'd like to see Yair really learn from this fight and learn how to set up. Uh, it seems like he came into this fight with such a, a natural talented advantage with the skills that he had that he tried to rely on that and not give any credence to the basics, the the one step after the other that leads you into sort of doing up, setting up those those TKO or KO moves. Yeah, I mean, he was good enough for this fight, but uh, for the next fight. You'd really need to see him show a bit more ring now. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And so, I don't disagree with the with the decision. And it's very clear that Yahir was the the better fighter. But if you want to be the best fighter, you've got to be able to be the best average fighter and the best explosive fighter as well. You can't just be explosive and try and knock people out with one punch and think that that's going to be enough because people will grind you out. And that's that's, that's like a wrestler's bread and butter. Yeah. I mean, one I would love to see uh, Yahir fight Uriah Hall, except he'd be giving up twenty kilos. That and yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it'd be entertaining for both of them. It'd just be just it'd be like watching Bruce Lee. I'd like to see Uriah Hall's um, apology after that fight. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, good fight, good entertainment, and uh, they both pushed each other the whole way. I mean, uh, Charles. Uh, Rosa was leaking like a sieve from his scalp for a lot of the... He was at the top of the scalp. And yeah, it was yeah. from... Um, yeah, he is uh, working the guard where he's dropping elbows. But the thing is, like, like we, were, we were talking when this fight was happening, you, and you're, a, a, I'd say, a high-level blue belt jiu-jitsu, so you know, <laughs> you know what they're doing. But the thing is, like, uh, in most belts, that's a second belt, but in jiu-jitsu, that's legit, you know what I mean? So you are saying, he, he needs to put that, that foot on the hip and be able to create that space. And you mm. can see that... Yeah, his natural instinct was to put that foot on the hip, but he thought he was good enough to start attacking from guard. And you might be, but your best bet is to try and sweep. Yeah, look, it it is easy to watch and say, oh, you know, here's where I reckon he should go. Yeah, he's probably got a totally different game plan. Um, yeah. so his game plan might have been, I want to escape from the bottom every time. Yeah. Um, and fair play. Um, we were discussing before how when you're in guard on your back in a gi in jiu-jitsu you're probably in a good spot. So you've got yeah. about 55% chance of yeah. uh, being in control. You've got a lot of shit to grab. But when you're in no-gi uh, in jiu-jitsu, yeah. the top position is about 
60-40. So exactly. you, you want to be in top position. And once you're in MMA and everything slippy and slidey and you can yep. get punched in the fucking face, yep. top position, I, I reckon you want that 70 to, 70% yep. to 80% of the time. And like even when we've been training Nogi in that, with, with some people you fight against, being in mount is not an advantage at all because you can't like plant your knees on the ground and you can't have enough control as, as you would have in side control or even half guard. Like, so no. Yeah, I, I find in in my personal game with Nogi, I prefer to be side control than mounted just because yeah. I, I find, you know, I can't punch people in the face. In exactly right. Yeah. Uh, if I was to choose between um, the positions in... MMA, I'd rather yep. be mounted because you can just wail away in their head. Yeah, but, but to see, if you're in side control, you can put knee on belly and then just start pounding people's faces and see what they give up. True, but the, you're also exposing your ribs there that they can throw knees into. But yeah. again, yeah. It, it's one thing, you say that and then one fight will do it and just win, 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 and then yep. another fight will do it and get KO'd. But so, that, that's what I love about MMA is that for whatever strategy you got, there's a counter strategy to yes, it all. There's no one alpha strategy yep. um, except maybe win. Um, yep. Except maybe, yeah, just fucking Anna Silver it and just yeah. knock motherfuckers out from no business. And get your back off the cage. I'm yet to see many fighters win with their back to the cage. Yep. Like I said, Anderson Silver fucked up Stefan Bonner <laughs> back against the cage, but... He's the exception to a lot of rules, though. I think he's the exception to martial arts. That's what it is. It's like, if you go into training martial arts thinking you're going to be Anderson Silver, yeah, fucking good luck with that. <laughs> so you're going to be like Travis Luter or someone like that who just fucking grinded out and they're not naturally talented. They just fucking worked hard and got big. Yeah, I, it's like watching Forrest Griffin. He was never the most talented bloke in the world, but he worked his ass off. He was the first bloke, so... Mm. And fair play. Yeah. But, you know, with this one, great watching fight. Would have done uh, the UFC no harm at all, yep. and the crowd seemed to enjoy it too. And I think, like, with, with the way that Daniel appreciates and views fights, both of these guys won this fight. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll move on to the next fight. Third fight out from the finale is Kevin Gastelum versus uh, Nate Marquardt. And uh, Gastelum being an uh, ultimate fighter alumni and Marquardt being a stalwart in the UFC. I think, he made, did he win a title or he fought for titles? He, he won a title in um, uh, Strike Force. Ah, that's I, right. I think he's certainly fought for a few titles. Should mention, uh, we've had a bit of a sub in uh, oh, Voices yeah. here. I forgot, yeah. <laughs> Josh has got to run off um, to look after a pregnant wife. Yep. I mean, seriously, what are yep. his fucking priorities? And, I mean, and you've come here running away from your wife. Uh, well, so, uh, clearly. It's, yeah. a, it's a straight up tag team. L- like we say, I don't ask my wife permission to go out. I ask permission to come back afterwards. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think uh, Nate, um, like we said, uh, beat Tyrone Woodley for the Strike Force um, title, which yeah. is no no mean feat. I mean, if you've seen Tyrone Woodley, dude, that dude is jacked up. Yeah. He's a killer. And Tyrone um, is responsible for the only loss on Kevin Gastelum's uh, record, which is a yep. split decision in his last outing. Yeah. Um, look, on. On paper, this fight looks like um, the aging veteran versus the up and comer, yep. um, which is a good matchup um, for them both. You know, one person hanging on to their career and the other person looking to move yep. up. Yep. Um, it was a, it was a boxing match. It was, wasn't it? I think. Yep. And uh, I think uh, the attitude played a lot into it, and how much your your cardio can go well. Uh, sort of carrying bulk. Yeah. Whereas, whereas Gastelum has that little bit of fat, which I think in these situations might actually work in your favour. Well, I, I think it's, you look, put them side by side. Yeah, one's certainly a physical specimen and the one, yeah, he yeah. looks okay. Well, one's cut in a lot and one's, you know, he's, he's maybe cuts. Yeah. Um, for a, um, an MMA fighter, yep. not the best physique out there, but he's a bit like Roy Nelson. He's, yep. There's a lot of work in there and he's, exactly. got, the, he's got the tank. 
Um, it's, it's like he's a young man with that old man strength. <laughs> Already, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember somebody's, uh, might have been um, Dan Seven or yeah. Mick, Mick Foley talking about Dan Seven saying yep. just how strong he was because he went to WWE. Yeah, that's right. He's so, yeah. saying that's tendon strength a lot of the times, but yeah. you can't sell tendon strength. Yep, exactly <laughs> but, right. Yeah, he might be a bit like that. But anyway, yeah. um, those jabs and crosses early on, yeah. Um, look like they're opening up, Nate, and he went red really, really quickly. Yeah, I completely agree. It seemed like, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I haven't had that much punches in the face, but at I'm altitude, a, uh, yeah, exactly. And I'm assuming they were saying his record is I had 50 odd professional mixed martial arts yeah. fights. I'm assuming the tissue in your face changes a lot through getting beat up, <laughs> and perhaps you know bruising comes along a bit quicker, and maybe the blood's just already there going, hey. We're going to come here sooner or later in this night, so let's just fucking hang out here and yeah, do our job. Look, uh, Gasolin was uh, moving really well um, yep. without dominating. Yeah. It was about the three-minute mark um, where he got a nice knee in, and yeah. you say, okay, well, that woke him up. Yeah. like he, he, I think at that point, he realized that he could be uh, much more aggressive than he was without that fear of retribution for being punished for coming in. I can see that. Um, he, he certainly wasn't doing anything flash. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was... Uh, a sound game plan um, going in and he's just uh, doing what he needed the only one takedown and I think calling it a takedown is being very generous yeah I mean there's takedowns and then there's give downs yeah this is a give down yeah this is like someone who uh, was walking through the forest and tripped over a root in the ground (laughs) or something you know it was just you know like you said uh, double leg turn the corner yeah it wasn't a lot of aggression in it yeah let's say it was good technique but um, I think that was almost the clue that um uh, Nate was uh, yeah. st- struggling on the gas. Yeah. Um, well, well, the thing is, I think if if you can take someone down from below their knees and still end up in a position of advantage, either yeah. they're tired or they don't know what the fuck they're doing with takedown defense. So it was interesting at the end of the first round, they didn't bring the stool out. They wanted to keep him standing. Yep. Um, at Nate, that is. And I think actually Kevin as well. Yeah. So into the second round and it... It started to look ugly. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, Kevin didn't put him away. Exactly. He didn't put enough um, sort of forward pressure where he thought, they're going to stop this fight. There was that one part where you go, you should stop this, you should yeah, stop this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. uh, when Nate was on the ground, again, uh, it was a lay down, not yep. a takedown. Yeah. Um, he was uh, putting the, the punches in, but they weren't, he was, hey, ref, stop this, stop this, stop yeah. this, stop this. They weren't, I'm going to knock him out yeah. punches. I think Rogan nailed it in the commentary in broadcast where he said, like, the the reason this hasn't been stopped is because they've got respect for Mark Wright being a former champ and yeah. being a tough competitor. And he was still, like, he was flaring out to go back to yeah. guard. Um, even late, he was tried for a sleep. I mean, a, a sweep, sorry. Yeah. It was a little bit sloppy and desperation, yeah. but... He, he wasn't giving up. and oh, yep. You've got to give him something for that. Yeah, I completely agree. And when you see what their intent is, you, you know that they know yeah. what they need to do. It's with a, that process from a thought through to your muscles and physically being able to do it. Sometimes there's a big delay in that, in that yeah. process. So you can see mentally the aptitude is there, but they can't process it physically because they're being... You know, the mind is willing, yeah. but the body was not able. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, same time, Kevin just Kelvin, sorry, yeah. just didn't have enough of the killer instinct oh, yeah. that I would have liked to have seen from him. Yep. Um, not just on those punches, like we said, but there was a guillotine there, which yeah. I mean, geez, Marquette, Marquette was putting his neck out there. He's like, yep. give me a reason, give yeah, me a reason, please. But, um, he just you know muscled him down, turned into a snap down, yeah. and putting some punches again. Yep. Look, 
to me, the best part of the fight was at the end of the second. Yep. Firstly, the ref yep. um, went, give me the dock. Yep. Give me the dock. It was, I mean, Marquette's not bleeding. Yeah. He's not, sh- you know, there's no bulges. There's no bruises. There's no yep. eggs on his yep. head. He's been in the situation before. Uh, 50 times <laughs> more likely. Yeah. Ref's gone, give me the dock now. Yeah. Great decision. Love it. Um, second thing, they brought in the stool and Marquette, first thing he said was, I've got nothing left. Yep. He's not trying to be a tough man. Yep. And his corner, you got yep. nothing left, this is over. Exactly right. It's um, it's such a mature decision from yep. the, the corner. I mean, Marquette probably said, oh, I've got one round left, maybe. Yep. But they went, nah, let's, let's call it there. Yep. Um, you've had a day. Yeah, nobody thinks that Nate Marquette isn't a great. Yeah, exactly. He's been through, done it all. I mean, look at the wins he's got on his career. He's got James Tahuna. He's got um, Husama Polharis. He's yeah, got- and like a win in the first round against Polharis is almost unheard of. Usually yeah. you're getting heel hooked to fucking buggery. I mean, Tyrone Woodley, Damian Meyer. Yeah. I mean, um, Jeremy Horn. Martin Campin in his prime too, in who was prime. a striker. Yeah, and, and he's fucking TKO'd him with punches. That's seven years ago. Jeremy Horn? Jeremy Horn. Oh, damn. Um, who's still training away. Yeah. Um, he, he doesn't have to prove anything. He's got a win against Dean Lister. Dean Lister. Damn. Jesus, going back. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. He'll fight at the next Metamorris. Yeah. Um, nobody, his legacy is safe. Yeah, exactly right. Um, it, uh, to me, that was such a mature... Uh, corner decision. Yep. Um, the ref did it great as well, and Nate himself. Um, uh, like we're saying on these podcasts, like previously, is that like traditionally fighting fans want to see uh, a brutal fight and uh, stand toe to toe. But with mixed martial arts, the idea of it from its inception is to find out who's the best fighter. Yep. And once you figure out who the best fighter is, there's no point seeing someone get their fucking brain smashed yeah. in. Look, it's uh, done. We don't want to see um, Hunt Miyashi again. Exactly. Yep. Um, exactly right. That should have been stopped by somebody. Yeah. Um, yep. Instead, this one went the second round. And he, um, Marquette, hadn't had his yep. face beaten in like Hunt yep. had. Or even like others on this card had. Yeah. And everybody, you know, the ref wanted to stop it. The doctor yep. wanted to stop it. His corner wanted to stop it. Yep. Nate didn't want to stop them from stopping yep. it. But unfortunately, yeah, a lot of times in these situations, the only people stopping this fight from stopping is the actual corner. Yeah. Who are like, no, 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 this is your dream. This is what yeah. you've, you've lived for. Um, all you do is knock him out this round. You win this fight. We're going to get paid for this. I wonder if they've had the discussion that this is my last fight anyway. Yeah. That kind of stuff. I'm like, mate. That's a good point. Th- yeah. We're done. And the thing is like, um, his corner like, I, I can't place a name to the dude who was running his corner but I've seen him around a lot of times and he's very switched on yep. he has a, a lot of respect in the, and I, it fucking really pains me right now that I can't think of his name but the dude is switched on and he's yeah. one of the best corners in, in the in the he's game doing what a corner does and that's looking after your fighter yep. not trying to make it about you exactly right yep. awesome stuff yep so we'll move on to our next fight penultimate uh, fight on this card is Eddie Alvarez coming over from World Series of Fighting, I believe. He was a champion there fighting Gilbert Melendez, who was the Strikeforce champion. Bit of beef leading up to this too. I remember when Gilbert was the Strikeforce champion and not being a dick about it, but he was saying, look, we're not in the UFC, so we've got to test ourselves against the best competition we can try and face. And he was he called out Eddie Alvarez saying, World Series of Fighting champion, no, we're both on the UFC, so... We've both got belts. Yeah. We both want to go to the yeah. big dance. I'd love to see what happens. Eddie... Didn't take that too well. Someone saying, I want to fight you as a fighter, which kind of seems a bit seems backwards. A bit weird. Yeah, it seems a bit weird saying someone's to fight you and you're a fighter. But anyway, this was their score to settle. Um, it was a, 
a really good fight um, yep. coming out. It did look like um, uh, Melendez was uh, uh, bouncing around and Alvarez was a little bit heavy on the front foot. Yep. Um, and uh, I think Joe even called that. There's some, yeah. there's some heavy kicks. But yep. the only thing anyone's talking about this fight is that elbow and that yeah. broken nose. Yeah. That was phenomenal how quickly it swelled up. Wasn't that nasty, though, where you see that reaction where he knows that he's a bit in trouble, something on his nose, blows it, and his eyes goes, boop! I imagine he was thinking, like, oh, jeez, my nose bloody hurts. If I blow it, this will feel better. He's blown it. Oh, that feels better. Now I'm a fucking pirate. Yeah, but the thing is, it's that point where you forget you're a fighter, you forget you're in a fight, you forget what you're doing. All All that does to your brain is go... This shit is not good. Yeah. Like, you got no idea yeah. what's going on. You're like, someone's yeah. cheating here. Like, holy shit, what the fuck is this shit, man? And I'll tell you what, we said the last fight how good the corner was. How yeah. good was the cut, man? Yeah. Straight in there, putting as much pressure Absolutely. as he could. Yeah. Um, you almost wanted to see him uh, stick a, uh, a knife in there or something. Just <laughs> let it out like a balloon. You, you want to see those glasses with the, the eyes drawn on them open. Yeah. <laughs> you chuck on and go, nah, it's all good, son. Okay. Where we go? Cannot believe they let that fight go on. Yep. Yep. Um, because he clearly couldn't see out of that eye. Yep, who was it? John McCarthy. A big John. So, yeah, fair enough. You know, I mean, he, the thing is, he knows fights and he knows fighters. Yep. And, and the docs okayed it. And the, the thing is, if you're setting rules for mixed martial arts, I would say that at that point, you've got to stop that fight to err on the side of caution. But someone as experienced and as knowledgeable in mixed martial arts as John McCarthy, you have faith in him that he understands these fighters, what they can take and what they're capable yep. of, and goes, look, I'm going to keep an eye on it. But if it gets out of hand, I'll call it. No but this guy still got a chance to win this fight. This fight isn't over. Funnily enough, it was clearly the turning point of the fight because yeah. Um, yeah. Melendez looked a little bit... Uh, sorry, uh, Alvarez looked a little bit yep. short before yep. that and a little bit tentative. Yeah. Uh, especially after he got that elbow, he was standing off. Yeah. Came yeah. out in the second round, one-eyed. He was moving unbelievably well. Completely agree. Like, I think a lot of times he's inside fighting is what wins him fights. Like coming to this fight, you see Gilbert Melendez train out of Cesar Gracie with the Diaz brothers. Like yep. his ground game is going to be pretty on point. Like you say, he'd have decent wrestling, but his jiu-jitsu is going to be on point. And Eddie Alvarez is known as a stand-up fighter. Yeah. So you wouldn't expect Eddie Alvarez to have a plan B that's to take Gilbert Melendez down. It was a, a surprising move, but um, as soon as he got like the his um, hands locked behind the legs, and he got getting in some great positions. Yep. Um, only surprised he didn't get more of those takedowns. He looked like he, he had it where he wanted it, but he got there eventually. Yeah. I just couldn't believe how well he moved in the second comparing to the first. Yeah. Alfred, it, it, I don't know what happened when he was in the corner, but geez, they they yeah. changed plans. They went to phase yep. two or whatever. He came out a different fighter. I, th- I think it was almost like his plan was to stay in the pocket and slip the punches that come and then counter. Well, but the thing is, with that eye poke, it's forced him to be able to dodge and stick and move. He was catching punches. He, I don't know whether it's just muscle memory or if you notice you know, that little twitch yeah. before it oh, got outside yeah. of his vision. We're talking about the time where he, he poured punches down on his left-hand side, yeah. on his blind side, on his blind and side. Gil was throwing them, and he's pouring them off. I mean, it's not that... That's phenomenal. Uh, it's not that phenomenal. I mean, Jake the Snake Roberts had fought with one eye for, <laughs> for 15 years, and then all of a sudden got two eyes again when yes, he came he, back. He also, he, also, he also did a lecture tour as a, a, Catholic, a Catholic without being Catholic, too. <laughs> he's like why do you do this because I get paid uh, that was is in Mick Foley's book he goes what do you get out of this Jake yeah. he goes 10 grand a pop yep. not what I meant yep. anyways <laughs> um, I think that Melendez missed a trick in yeah. rounds 2 and 3 um, it, it's, it's one thing you don't want to you know you don't want to be seen as taking advantage but yep. it's the fight game exactly he's blind on his left side yep. 
you've got to be circling to the left. Yep. Um, or to his left. Yep. Uh, to try and, you know, th- he didn't, I didn't see any kicks go to that side after that. Yep. Um, he's still heavy on, he, on his feet. Um, I, I, he should have been, maybe that was um, Alvarez's plan was, look, I've got this problem. Yep. He's going to take advantage of it. I'll get in first yep. and make him, make Melendez be on the back foot. Make yeah. Melendez react to me rather than try and defend it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and I think uh, some of the blame has to fall with Melendez's corner for not telling him, like, in that situation, there's so much you can do with a person who's who's sort of, I don't know if you call it a lead eye, but yeah. I mean, that, that's well, the way it is. He's got a blind side. Yeah, he's, he's got a blind side. Literally a blind yeah. side. And, and the thing is, if you fake the hip movement for a right leg kick, like the right body kick, yeah, get him to and then commit. put the, the overhand, right, uh, overhand left on it, you're going to catch him out on his blind side because he's trying to protect the left side of his ribs. His combos in the first round were, were fantastic. Like yeah. They yep. pointed out, you know, the elbow followed up by... Yeah, the, the inside. Inside yeah. elbow followed up with the, the right hook. Yeah. Um, a little bit off balance, but when they're connecting, it doesn't yeah. really matter. And, and that's the thing is you've got to train is that it's easy to do everything when it's in, in patterns as how you train, yeah. but it's in the transitions, in the scrambles where you act on instinct and putting those short little elbows in, which is pretty much Eddie Alvarez's game. Yeah. And Gilbert uh, had the, the presence of mind to adjust and not be throwing punches or try and clench, which he probably usually would, but to put in those short elbows. And I think it's a real credit to Eddie Alvarez after getting that, that fucked up eye to put the game plan in to realize that Melendez had not trained for Eddie Alvarez to take him down. Yeah, no one would ever expect that. Um, it's it's a, it's a great win for Eddie Alvarez. It's something that um, he's obviously got a bit of a medical suspension now. Yeah, but it's something that he can uh, is going to really hold him well in the UFC brass as well yep. as the fans. You you remember the the wins fought out like this. Now split yep. decision, but I had it going Alvarez's way. Yeah, um, clearly lost the first round, and for me, clearly won the next two. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Phenomenal. Yep, yeah, no, I scored exactly the same as you. And I think it just shows that's what you can do as a experienced fighter in a cage where you can adapt your game plan. And it's like, we've said it before, that's flowing with the go. Yeah. Whereas you've got this one game plan, that's what you're strong at, and that gets taken away from you because you get that punch in the eye. And let's be clear, it's not an eye poke. He got no. punched in the eye. Oh, it was a beautiful elbow yep. and then punches. And, so there's yeah. no way he can say, no, 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 I got, I got finger in my eye. Like, if that happens, it's fight on. And if yep. you try and stop it, you're conceding the fight. Yeah, so that, he has a, to fight on. That's a verbal tap. Yep. And he has to adapt his, his game plan. And he even said after the fight um, with the Joe Rogan interview, Joe Rogan was like, yeah, you know, you were doing good in the striking and then it seemed like you got punched in the eye and you couldn't see. And yep. then... I don't believe he could see. Yeah. Oh, I, absolutely not. Um, you know, he's got a... Uh, just pull up his page there. Has he got a nickname? Eddie Alvarez? Yeah. Um, I know he definitely used to, but I'm not sure once he's come across the UFC if he's actually... If he's taken it if, as official. If, he, if he's if, kept it. If it's but, not on the Sherdog page, then it's not official as far as yeah, I'm concerned. Yeah, and especially in in this fight card, there are a couple of people who have, who have said, um, this is my name in America, but in Canada and uh, Mexico, I want to be known as this. Well, he's got to be Long John Silver or something now. He's yeah. got to have the, the pirate nickname, yep. Blackbeard or yep. something. Blackbeard or... Be, yep. I, want him to, I want his nickname to be Blackbeard, despite being clean-shaven. <laughs> That's what it's got to be. And, he, and he, look, he fights out of the Black Zillions. <laughs> Eddie Blackbeard Alvarez. And the thing is, if anyone asks, why are you called Blackbeard? I want him to just drop his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Last fight on the card, heavyweight championship belt unification on the line. Fabricio Verdum with the interim title versus Cain Velasquez. 
who was the uh, sort of sitting on the sidelines heavyweight champ for two years sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, um, it, it's awesome when two fighters come in both holding a belt, isn't it? Yeah, um, and there's always heavyweights, no less. Heavyweights, no less. Uh, there's always going to be people, people that say that the interim champion's not the real champion yeah. because you know to be the man you got to beat the man and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, so it's it's great when you get a unification back. Well, well, the thing is, especially for the heavyweights, this is you are the baddest fucking fighter on the planet. So if you're the interim, you're the second baddest motherfucker <laughs> on the planet. But I, I love Fabricio's um, attitude all the yep. way through it, saying Kane's not fighting. Yeah. He, he's not here. I'm the champion. Exactly. This is the real yeah. belt. Um, but we go down to uh, to the the main event, and the, you get to see who's the who's the champ. Exactly, and uh, I think it's a big credit to Fabricio, who this was supposed to be set up. What was it Years almost twelve ago. months ago when Mark Hunt filled in? They actually did the Ultimate Fighter Latino Ultimate Fighter. They had Team Vadum versus Team Velasquez, and they were supposed to fight for the title in Mexico City in the first Mexico City card or the Mexican card. Um, obviously, Kane got injured and pulled out. Mark Hunt stepped in at, I think it was four weeks or six weeks' notice. Dropped a massive amount of weight. Yeah. Put on a good performance against Vadum. Got, got cleaned up with a straight knee down the line when he was when he was going for a punch. But, yeah, what can you do? But this was always in the cards for for the belt. So, you can't, you can't complain with Fabricio being interim and fighting Kane for the unification. No, it had to, it had to happen. Um, first round coming out, uh, we, it looked like the cane of old. Yep. It looked like he hadn't lost a step. Yep. He was moving well. He was landing punches. Um, Fabricio, I think he even took him down once or twice or tripped and yeah. wanted nothing to do with him on the ground. Exactly. And, th- and that's what I think where where Kane kind of got it wrong. Where And especially Fabricio, I think he's like 37 or 38 or something like that. I mean, we can look it up right now. What, his age? Yeah, his no, age. No, he's not that old. Yeah, no. He's, he's 37. Yeah. Holy 37, shit. yeah, I know. Can you believe okay. that? Because I was surprised too when I heard that. Well, I guess when you think about it, he's been around. You know. Exactly. And when you look at the heavyweight division, they mature at this age. They, they become do. champions at this age. Yeah, yeah, there's not many and young you look, champions. And you look at his, his road to coming to UFC gold, it hasn't been a tough road. It hasn't been an easy road. No, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, in this fight, um, you, you were saying that uh, like Kane missed a step. Yeah. The, the worst of it was when he did get um, Fabricio down into side control. Yep. And I think he landed one short elbow, and that was about all the damage was. he did. He tried to post up on, on his hand and then put the elbow down. And all Fabricio did was grab that hand and roll to get his back. Got to Turtle. Yeah, got to the Turtle. And then Kane just I th- I lost interest. Went, I think he went north-south and then stood up. Yeah, Something he, like that. But Kane, tur- Kane didn't want to be there anyway. So. No, Fabricio went Turtle, and then he sat into guard, and Kane went none That's of right, this. yeah. Did too, yep. yep um, 100%. I, obviously, you know, yeah, it's easy to say it after the fact. Yeah. But Kane needed to stay inside yep. um, and just punch, get get your points. Yep. And I think it shows, I think it was a really bad strategy by, by Kane's team because I think Kane's definitely got the skills to beat Fabricio and Fabricio obviously has the skills to beat Kane. It's all about strategy when it comes yep. to the high end of the best of the best. And the thing is, I think Kane thought he had a clear advantage in stand-up. He did. But he did, though. The thing is, I don't think he gave credit to the work that um, uh, Fabricio has put in. I think he's with Rafael Cordero. Yep. He's been fighting with him or training his kickboxing academy for the last three years or something, and he has really rounded out his game. Like, well, it's something that Charles Sonnen's actually said, that um, Fabricio has fooled the world into thinking that he's um, the baddest man on the mat yep. because he never gets there. Yep, exactly um, right. And his boxing is what won he, Although he's stand-up. I mean, he won a stand-up battle with Hunt. Yeah. Albeit, uh, maybe Hunt was winning that fight till the knee, but he still won. Exactly, yeah. Um, Kane won the stand-up battle in the first round. Yep. 
Uh, but you can see what um, Fabricio's tactics was. He's really trying to work that clinch and yep. trying to get... Um, that tie plum. Yeah. He got um, one or two knees through, but it didn't seem to worry Kane too much. Yep. And then the eye started to bleed a little bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, But into the first round, it, it's it's a Kane fight. Yeah. All and, the way through. And on that same token, it seems where, like, obviously, you know what Kane's strategy is going to be. He's going to be pressuring. He's going to be pushing forward. And it seemed like Fabricio didn't panic when he was against the fence. He relaxed. Not at all. He knew what he needed to do. And he knew that he was taller than Kane. And all he had to do was sprawl. And he knew that Kane wasn't really going to want, him to want to take him to the ground. He didn't want to take him to the ground and get into his guard. Yeah. Um, which I think, okay, if he's a world-class um, jiu-jitsu yep. uh, fighter, it's fair enough. But you can be too cautious. Yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying because I think that Cain Velasquez, heavyweight champion of the world, he should not be scared in anyone's guard. No. Like his game is to push them to the ground, ground and ground and pound them. And no. I think maybe that timeout and that bit of uh, ring rust, as they say, to put that doubt in his mind, where he's like, "This guy's really? a champion. I want to be. I want to make certain I get through this fight, and then I'll start doing my fights. And then I'll start doing what I do as a heavyweight champion." But clearly. Won, uh, Kane won the first round. Come out in the second, he wins the first two, two and a half minutes. Yep. And it's the same thing. You know, he's uh, working the jab well. Uh, yep. Fabricio's getting some in there. Yep. Um, but you have to say, even though it's a, it's a stand-up war and people love yeah. that for the heavyweights, not a very technical fight. No. And, and that's why I think where you saw Vadum got, he slipped that punch and got the, the one-two up the middle. Yep. And I think, I mean... That's as far as technical boxing goes. That's as basic as it gets. Yeah. But that was enough to to land those ones on um, Kane's chin, and, and then and that eye. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. When you got him in the eye, and yeah. you see that, and follows it up with a. You take this with you as well. Yep. <laughs> and then you see like Kane circles around and goes, "All right, I'll reassess." And he yep. does that sideways sort of sidestepping thing, and then all right. Plan again, then we'll try and push forward. And slowly, you could see the gauge is reaching the bottom and it's running out. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm just speculating, but I think you know, Kane's flurry in the first was really good, and he looked like he could end this real yep. early. Yeah, um, maybe Kane. Um, yeah, this might sound silly, but maybe Kane trained for a two-round fight, and he wanted to finish it there. Kane trained for a Vegas fight. Uh, maybe that, that's what happened. I mean, the ring rust. People are going to say, you know, nearly two years out, the elevation and all that kind of stuff. I have no doubt that played a part, and maybe yep. that played in a part in his tactics. In that, you know, we're not going to a decision. We're going to end this one. Yeah. And when it didn't end, it yep. means you're going to lose. See, see, I completely uh, agree with one part of that where you said that um, is it the elevation or ring rust and that. But Kane, he suffered. He learned that lesson from ring rust against JDS yep. in, in the first one, where the very first Fox card, uh, yeah. they've got heavyweight belt on the line. It's all there. Knocked out in yeah in fuck all time with a perfectly timed right-on-the-button punch by JDS. Pretty much the first punch, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think that was Kane's sort of lesson in in that sort of style of fighting. I think this one, he, he it's, it's come out afterwards. The Fabricio, he actually trained at 10,000 feet for a yep. month before this fight started. Yeah. And Mexico City is 7,500 feet. So Vadum's trained at, at 2,500 feet above what he was supposed to fight at. And Kane was training at sea level. Kane Kane was was pretty much made to go to Mexico City two weeks beforehand to train. Yeah. He's like, no, nah, I don't want to go there. Let's not go there. Fight, then we'll come back. We've got I've got all the best guys here, aka uh, this is where DC is. This is where all my guys are. Luke Rockhold's there. We've got the best trainers there. We'll do it there. He's not wrong. Yeah, because he does have the best trainers yep. there. Yep. But at the end of the day, yep. the dance is up at the hill. Yeah. And the thing is, this is the fight game. Yeah. Fight game. Yeah. It's not the fight. Yeah, you know, there's way more to it than just fighting. Um, 
So, yeah, to me, it looked like Kane knew he couldn't go the five rounds, so he wanted to get it done in yep. the first two. Yep. And when that plan fell through, yep. um, oh, we, you could see it. At the end of the second, they said, uh, change of plans, take him down. Yep. Um, now, there's one thing to have a plan B, but yeah. that's that's a Hail Mary for a plan yeah. B. <laughs> yeah, this is a... This is a um, what you call it? It's almost a dead man switch. If it doesn't work, yep. pull the pin. And, and the thing is, especially with with this, the heavyweights fighting... It's like, you've only got one plan B, that's it. You don't get a plan yeah. C because you get knocked the fuck out yeah, and you get over. submitted. That's it. In, in a stupid way, it was the right plan B though. It was, yeah. Plan yeah. A wasn't working. Yeah. Plan A was gone. And you've seen the the fallout on social media, especially on like Sherdog or Underground or whatever. And you've seen where people have talked about, oh, you know, why the fuck was Kane's corner telling him to take him down? That's the stupidest <laughs> thing ever. Because he's getting his ass kicked on exactly. the Exactly. Because Ke- Kane's plan was beat him standing up and he was getting beat up, stood up. Yeah. So, like, how smart do you have to be? All right, he's beat you on the feet. Yeah. He won't expect you to come back on the feet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, look, neither of them uh, had the... They weren't, you know... Uh, Putting the hips in, or into yep. the into the punches, yep, or, or, exactly. or the kicks. Or the kicks yep. Some of those kicks were, um, I don't want to say pathetic, but I, I they weren't. Uh, Vadum wasn't checking them. Yeah, and wasn't bothered by them. And it's like I'd let them go. And and especially those low kicks. They weren't uh, low kicks where you're coming forward and then slamming downwards on those kicks. You're planning the the foot that you base on and throwing a little kick out there forwards. Uh, they were slaps. But you're kicking that. That low kick and then trying to get out. You're not trying to put that low kick in to set up your flurry forward. It was very um, unlike Velasquez. Yep. It was very unlike uh, Champion. Yeah. Yep. Um, it, it looked like you know, these are the guys that's been sitting on the sideline and yep. is not um, back into, I don't know, fighting shape or, yeah. you, know, you know, you say match fitness in footy. Well, um, yeah. It, it's not an excuse. It's a reason that's what happened. Yep. And, you know, if you're not ready, you don't take the fight. And he's ready. You took the fight. Exactly right. And the thing is, when when you're a champion like Cain Velasquez, you don't get warm up fights. No. You know what I mean? You come back from injury, you fight for your reputation every single time for the title. Exactly. There's yeah, no yeah. such thing as a warm up fight for the title. Yep. Exactly right. And I think, I think he kind of looked at this as a warm up fight to fight the next contender because Fabricio has always been underestimated his entire career. But when you look at his resume, holy crap! Okay. Fuck. Um, Whenever the topic comes up of who's the greatest heavyweight of all time, I mean, yep. um, Fedor is the first name that comes to mind. Yeah. You know, and he's beaten everyone. Yep. But let's just go through Vadum. Just cycle down. Okay, he's but, just beaten Velasquez. Yep. He, he's beaten Hunt. Yep. He's beaten Big Nog. Yep. He's beaten Roy Nelson. Okay, that's a good one. Travis he, Brown. Travis Brown. Bigfoot. Yep. Um, he's got a win over Alistair Overeem. Yep. Uh, Back before he got caught for drugs. He's a winner and a loss, I think, against Overeem. One and one against Overeem. Yep. He's beaten Fedor. First person to beat him in like fucking... 10 years. 200 years. <laughs> like, you may as well say that... Okay. Uh, I was going to say, you may as well say he beat Bigfoot, but he did beat Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Um, who else does he have to beat to be called the, the greatest? I'm not saying he's the greatest in the world right now. No. But, jeez, if he was retired, you look yep. at that resume, not fucking bad. Look, the thing is, in, let's say... I'll say 50 years, people are going to look back, they don't have the emotions that we have with these fights where we've seen them go through the wars and saw how they won that fight and why they shouldn't have won this fight. They're going to go back and look at the records, look at who were the champions of those eras and who beat those champions. And Fabricio is going to hold up. There's no doubt about it. He ticks a lot of boxes. Yep. Yep. Um, He's just reached his peak. At 37. Yeah. He's just got UFC gold. And he's looking 
he's looking like a great fighter. He's looking like a smart fighter. He's looking smart. He's, exactly. His approach to this fight was spot on. Yep. He's eating Kane's punches and just, no, that's all right. Yep. I'll, I'll take that jab because I'll get across. Exactly right. Exactly right. And it looks like that Kane thought his advantage would be on the ground. I'll, put, I'll pressure him. He'll try and either pull guard or take me down. And I'll, you know, well, obviously his plan wasn't the ground and pound, but he thought that his advantage was going to be standing up. Yep. But, but when you looked at Fabricio, he just stood in the pocket and he ate punches and yep. goes, I'm right here, motherfucker. You I'm throw it, I'm throwing one back right behind it. Look, I, I really think that the the turning point of the fight was at the end of the first round. Um, there was a lot said, uh, you know, back and forth about who's more Mexican and, yeah. and all that kind of yeah. um, playful stuff. And Kane wouldn't touch gloves. Yeah. Uh, he gave everything in that first round. Yep. Fabricio didn't take a backward step. And he, yeah. I know, Fabricio put his fist out there yeah. and Kane begrudgingly gave him the bump. And you went, yeah. oh, yep. he's got his attention now. And the thing is, when they do that, if you're Fabricio, you know, I got, I got this him. dude. I've got him. I got him. And it's like when we've talked about it a lot of times, Mike Tyson walks yep. in, he's looking at this cunt's eyes. And as soon as he looks away, he goes, I know I got him. I got him. And if this dude doesn't want to talk to you, he's insulted by what you do. And at some point in the fight, shows you respect, it means you've fucking hurt him. It means you've done it. Yep. You've done exactly what you wanted to do. Yep, exactly right. Um, what an awesome crowd it was too, I've got to say. Wasn't it? Um, so where does this leave the heavyweight division? Because it's it's made it even more fascinating. Opens I'll, it up, doesn't it? I'll be honest. If Velasquez wins, you go, okay, Kane's yeah. back. Yeah, you go, fuck. Well, who we gonna, we've got Stipe Miocic and... If he doesn't beat him, then fuck. We've got to match up a dead rubber with JDS. JDS, yeah. We've got to have fight number four yep. with Velasquez. Yep. But now, um, what I really want to see is um, Fabricio versus Miokic. It yep. has to be because Stipe's earned it. But JDS beats Stipe. That's the only thing. It was a, when was that? It was a little while ago. Yeah, decision. Decision finished. But Was that before or after the uh, Hunt fight? Before. But, before. but the thing okay. is, JDS hasn't lost since. He hasn't fought since. He hasn't He's lost since. He's just been waiting. But if Stipe is going to get it, JDS has got that right to say, hey, I beat this motherfucker. I'm here. Well, out of... Okay, so we've got Verdum, Velasquez, JDS, Stipe. Yep. And I'll throw Mark Hunt in there. I want to see four yep. of those five guys in Melbourne in November. Dude, chuck Travis Brown in there. Big hopper. And make it... You'll get the Islander fans in here. Oh, make it a big... Uh, Imagine that. Make it a fucking heavyweight... This is where we decide who's who, who is there in the rankings. Well, I'll tell you what, they want to make um, uh, the November pay-per-view in Melbourne uh, a big marketing yeah. event. Yeah. It's, it'll be something that they say, here are the top six yeah. heavyweights in the world. That's something you can really market. Dude, how fucking good would that be? If you look at these top six heavyweights, like there's amazing talent in there. Wow. And, and the thing is, when I'm talking about when you're looking at the top six heavyweights... All you've got to do is look at Fabricio's <laughs> fucking record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just go They're down. Yeah, you go down. You've got Velasquez, Hunt, Brown, Nogueira. You've got uh, okay. Overeem, Silva. Uh, Nelson. Dos Santos. Yeah. Nelson. I, well, I think, look, if um, Verdum, whoever he fights next, if it's got to be Miosic or Dos Santos. Yeah. If he wins that, I don't think there's any, whoever it is, against one of those two. Yeah. I don't think it, there's any more arguments. He yep. has to be considered. Yeah, yeah, he has, he's he in has the to. argument for the greatest heavyweight of all time. Yep, and he's the sleeper. He's the one that you never expect because no. he he's one that and someone pointed out. I don't know if it was on one of the MMA shows or if it might have been just some regular kind of show dog or something where they yeah. were saying is that most people start it, start their career as a house on fire yep. and then they peter off and then you're like they were fucking awesome in their prime they were great. But why is it more important than someone starting off their career shit and learning learning, learning. as they get older? and being at the best when they're at their, their oldest in that career. Why is that any worse off? Like, sure, that's better. 
Yeah. What's wrong with that? I mean, yeah. as long as you're fighting and winning, I mean, yeah. hunts the same, you know. And, and the thing is, you're not starting out at your best. You're starting out at your worst and learning the whole way through, and yeah. then achieving what you want to do in the in the art. Well, I think that um, especially with the UFC, that kind of attitude is going to change because of the Ultimate Fighter. You know, we're twenty odd seasons yeah. in, where you got guys coming in that. Um, uh, thrust into the spotlight a little bit before they're yep. ready for it. But yep. Then you got um, somebody like TJ Dillashaw who is yep. allowed to make that progression and now he's wearing yeah. a belt. So hopefully you, you get to see that a little bit more. Yep. Um, but yeah, look, oh, I just want to see the heavyweights come down to Melbourne. Yep. If, if they, they want to say it's not just going to be a, a title on the line, they want to make it a big event. Exactly. A big marketing yep. um, exercise. Um, I completely agree with you. I say put a title on the line and put the next title fights on that card. The number one yeah. the title on the line plus the next whoever's going to get the next title, yep. they've got to earn that in the undercard. Yeah. And then whoever else follows know, up. Yeah. Follows up. And the thing is, it's, it's not just the fights that are going to promote that. It's the pre-fight stuff where yeah. there's everyone has a vested interest in what, what their fight means, but also what the other fights on that card mean. Exactly. Like, let's say it's Fabricio versus uh, JDS, for example. Yeah. you got you, Stipe going, hey. Imagine oh. if you got Kane versus Stipe on that fucking card. Yeah, exactly. you got, damn. I'm going to fight you, Kane, but I want to know what's yeah. going on with that one. Exactly right. And imagine yeah. these dudes in the locker room going, and if, let's say... Let's say Stipe beats fucking Verdum and then Kane's gone, I'll fucking smash this cunt. Yeah. All it'll get past this dude. All right, sweet. Like, this has just opened up my key back to this fucking... Or it could be the UFC's first Fatal 4-Way. All four of them oh, go Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean... Only, I mean, only if it's in Russia. <laughs> I see that. Hey, they already got their, their referees trained up for us, so yeah. you can give M1 co-sponsorship or whatever the fuck it is, co-promotion. Yep. Bring um, Make it a, a, a six-way. Bring Fedor back. And yep. a bear. I, you can actually have Fedor's brother fighting in a jail. <laughs> <laughs> you got some mates in there. There'll be some hard motherfuckers in Russian jail, sure. Then Gulag. Look, so w- what does Kane do? I mean, he's still going to be uh, number one or number two. <laughs> Kane ranked. doesn't fight in Mexico City anymore. That's what he does. <laughs> well, how about he starts training there? Yeah, exactly. I, I think he's learnt a lesson for everybody. And, and look, look, he, he didn't learn a lot. He got taught a lesson by Fabricio. Yeah, Fabricio absolutely. showed yeah. everyone in the heavyweight division this is fucking serious. Like we yep. ain't fucking around no more. Like all the light, all the lighter weight divisions showed them how to take this shit serious. You yep. can't come in overweight. You can't come in undertrained, and you can't come in without taking all the factors that are going to make you win that fight. And the climate is one of those. And look, Hunt was forced to. Yeah. Kane, uh, uh, he should have seen what happened. Uh, I look, don't, I, I, Hunt didn't. didn't I think Hunt put on a better fight than Kane. To be honest, he was closer. Even though Kane won the first round, and Hunt, I think Hunt won the first round of their fight. So. Yeah, I was going to say, even though Kane won the first round. And he won most of the second round, but he didn't win the second round. Yeah. Um, I still think Hunt was closer to beating Fabricio than. Yep. I think Hunt uh, looked Kane a better game plan against Fabricio. Kane said, This is what I do, and it fucking works. And so it didn't. It didn't, yeah, yeah. Because it's the old story, isn't it? It works until it doesn't. Exactly right. Yep. Um, but yeah, what a fantastic effort by Fabricio. I want him to see. Uh, see him in Sydney. I yep. want him to fight um, in Melbourne. Yeah. JDS or Stepe. Yeah, and either want, one's a great fight. Yeah, I want to see them get the big boys down in in Melbourne because, I mean, if you've looked at Australia and our surrounding territories being islands, yeah. we love the big boys fighting. <laughs> like if you've seen rugby, if you've seen any Australian boxer, their undercard is full of big motherfuckers yeah. fighting, just punching it out. Um, we got uh, Sayer the Hulk is yeah, fighting. The Hulk. Who's he fighting next? Oh. Uh, he's fighting. Is he fighting Bigfoot? Yeah, I think he might be fighting Bigfoot, yeah. Just check that, because I think it's on the next card. The um, 
Josie Aldo versus Conor McGregor card. Yeah, you got you got Josie Aldo, but you got um, uh, Frank Mir versus Todd Duffy in a fight night as well. Um, so, so, but I'm saying that there's another big guy who, um, yeah, obviously fighting out of Perth. He's going to have a lot of um, support in Australia. Yeah. So and, he's going to be wanting to get there. And like him, along with Vicar Rich, I think, uh, one of the two people who put a lot into promoting mixed martial arts in, in Australia, Australia. Yeah. Like, especially and, online, social media. Yeah, it, it's a shame really that Vic, Vic got cut um, before the Melbourne card. Because it, you, well, hang on. Um, that doesn't mean he's not fighting on the Melbourne card either. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I guarantee that um, if there's a late call-up in his division or close to his division... Exactly. He'd be... Yep. Uh, guys you know i've been training i'm ready yeah exactly and yeah hang on i'll try and find where soul the hulk is fighting just look up yeah there you go um no i'm nearly certain um uh, you know while we're talking heavyweights yep we haven't mentioned arlosky yet yeah he's he's in there and he's fighting the best of his life too and when we're talking about people coming back and being you know not a bit Average at the start of the career, and I'm not saying Olovsky is this, but we're was, talking about people who are he, he, he taking did, a long time. He did plateau, yeah, but he he yeah. went awesome at the start, plateaued out hard, and he's one of the people that have come back and gone, hey, you know what? The heavyweight division is an old man's fighting sport. Yeah, well, it's just like um, footy, isn't it? You know, the the bigger guys take a little bit longer. Yeah, number two on the list, buddy. Number two, we've got Soa Palele. Oh, there we are. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure. It, it's the funny. Big, I was trying to find or, the Hulk. Yeah, it's Bigfoot or Overeem. He's fighting next. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Bigfoot, but we'll double check it for the sake of our people listening. Saying you're a fucking dumb cunt. Um, Not on there. Yeah, Bigfoot. There it Bigfoot, is. Bigfoot. Yeah, there it is. Uh, yeah, I thought it was Bigfoot. Yeah. I, um, that's a great fight for him. It is. Yeah. Um, and if he wins that, there's another name you can throw Puts in. Him in. It, they could have an all heavyweight main card. Um, which will piss off some people, but it's a very Dude. marketable event. I'll fucking love that in I'd Melbourne. Love it too. Are you serious? And the thing is, because the heavyweight division has only just got that exciting. Yes. You know what I mean? And like we're saying with Andre Arlovsky, who's a fucking killer. And like we've said this before on the podcast where his most famous clip is him getting knocked out yeah. with, when he's trying to jump and punch Fedor. But he was fucking Fedor up for that whole fight yep. until that until that punch. So this dude is fucking legit. And even with his last fight against Travis Brown, they were like, you know, uh, you know, I well, don't want to fight him, whatever, but the teammates, and so we'll do it because we respect each other. What a war. And, and they were saying that he tore his fucking bicep off his bone before that <laughs> fight. And then Dana was saying that with the doctor, like the UFC paid doctor, he could see that he was straining just to get through that test. And then Dana still saw that and goes, all right, bring him back in here without the doctor. And he goes, yeah. dude, are you okay to fight? Like, if you don't want to fight, it's all good, man. Like, I can yeah. see you're fucked. And he looked at him and he goes, is that seriously why you brought me back in here? And he walked out. <laughs> you've, you've got to be a different kind of human being yep. to be in this game. And you've got to be different again to be held to compete at this level. Yep. And Andre Lovsky is a different motherfucker. So, I mean, how good is that heavyweight division? Oh, it's, I mean, it's so good now. And the best thing for it was this fight happening the way it happened. Um, that's, yeah, I, I think it, it's... If this was uh, professional wrestling, it's the better storyline. Yep. Exactly. Um, so that's why I'm happy it went that way. Uh, and I just, it'd be an awesome marketing event to have an yeah. all-heavyweight. And I think this one, it, it gave Kane fans enough excuses to make to still say, no, it, it, it could go the other way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, um, and, and full credit, Kane didn't use any of those excuses. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, Got beaten. He never would too. Yeah. He's got the belt. Yep. Um, but it still gives plenty of reason to see a rematch later yeah. on. 
And exactly. Um, they're not fighting for Kane. They're fighting for Kane's fans. That's yeah. the way it works. So yeah. Kane fans, they've got enough ammunition there to say, well, I don't know, man, elevation and Kane are two years off. And they're legitimate excuses too. Yep. But Fabricio, it was not his fault. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, You can only fight the man standing across yeah. um, the cage from you. And I think if Kane had have been fighting the whole way up with no injury, if he didn't do the training that Fabricio did at the altitude, at that intensity, he's not going to win. Nope. Fabricio showed him this is the next level for heavyweight division. And the thing is, that was what Kane was doing for the heavyweight division yeah, before this fight. Yeah. He was always outworking yeah. motherfuckers. And I mean, the heavyweight division is 260 pounds, yeah? That's yep. that's their limit. That's the max. And Kane was the one person who's like, I'm coming like 240, like 235, 240, yep. because I can be quicker, I can be faster on my feet, and I can push this pace for five rounds. Yep. I don't want that 260 weight, weight. Um, it was almost like uh, dead weight to him. And he showed that it worked. I mean, against yep. uh, Lesnar, yeah. he, he worked him over. Yep. Um, but Fabricio is the same. And against Bigfoot as well. Oh, yeah. Shit. Um, that was TRT, Bigfoot too. <laughs> Pre-testing Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, but look, what, uh, it's a, a great win for Fabricio. And like we said, um, he might might not be considered the greatest heavyweight of all time yet. Yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, he's in the discussion. Yep. And, and if he gets a win over JDS or Stipe, yep. Or even a rematch against Kane. Yep. I, I, it, it's a hard argument to say. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Let's say against. And, and like you said, I think time will do Fabricio very good things. Yep. Awesome, awesome pay-per-view. Awesome card for the heavyweights. And like oh. I've been saying, get behind heavyweights in yeah. Melbourne. Let's fucking make it happen. The only way I don't want to see a heavyweight main event is if Conor McGregor wins the next pay-per-view. Yeah. Because I want to see him in the main event down yep. here. I I see- <laughs> like, have you seen how many Irish people in Australia? Oh, we're going like, gonna- to... Honestly, I remember when they had the Rugby Union World Cup in Australia, yeah. and I was even in Adelaide at the time. And the one, like, I used to live on Pennington Terrace, which is right along the parklands of uh, Adelaide Oval. And the one main game we had there was like a Monday night, and it was Argentina versus Ireland. And they so, came out of the woodwork. Monday night, it was packed. And the thing is, people went out to drink on like Rundle Street and Heinley yep. Street afterwards. And I'm not shitting you. They literally drank Heinley Street and <laughs> Rundle Street dry of beer. They actually rang up West End and Coopers. I got them to open up at 2 a.m. so they could transport <laughs> kegs from their fucking brewery to the pub so that people could keep drinking. Like It was literally people going from one pub to the next. Beer? No. Next one. Beer? Nah. Next one. I've never seen that happen. Stereotypes are a horrible thing. They are, but I mean, if They're you can drink for like a fucking a, reason, yeah, it's just like there's, there's two stereotypes which you don't mind. It's, it's having a big dick or being able to drink a shitload. I mean, Irish are, are one from one. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm half Irish and I can't drink for shit. 
do love me potatoes. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think we might wrap it up. Yeah, that's it's, a good way to end it. Uh, it's a great um, main event, uh, yep. a great pay-per-view card, and I cannot wait for Aldo McGregor. Yep, yep. So, um, fight night this weekend with JJ versus uh, Jessica Penny. Um, we're not going to do a preview of this. Maybe we'll do a post, but there ain't a whole lot going because European card and they're trying to get no names on there. So. It's in Berlin, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. JJ's winning that one. Yeah. All right, cheers, All right, guys. Peace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.